0: We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen After the fact on the Sports Call podcast, my name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm joined by Cam Berry and Brooks Childress here on this beautiful Friday afternoon. A lot to discuss and get you ready for here on this final show of the first week of 2023. We'll talk Auburn basketball, preview their matchup as they take on Arkansas on Saturday inside of Neville Arena Uh, We'll preview just the weekend in general of college basketball. Obviously, every weekend uh, has a lot going on, so we'll talk a little bit about some of those SEC matchups especially. We'll talk about some of the college football news going on, and uh, in the form of that, we'll do a big deal, little deal, or no big deal at 4.30 today. Uh, We'll play some of that around all the topics going on right now in the college football world and uh, just the sports world in general. And, of course, we'll have birthdays and sports coming up in a little bit. Nightly TV Guide to conclude the show. Uh, We'll also have all of our phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341, locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're also excited that today is the beginning of high school basketball uh, on our airwaves over on FM Talk 93.9, Smith Station, girls and boys basketball they will be broadcast the first time this year that one coming up around 5 30 start time we'll have smith station basketball over on fm talk 93.9 and then next week we will start with Beauregard basketball right here on tiger 95.9 so a lot going on this time of year a lot to keep us busy busy and a lot to talk about again ryan cam and brooks with you here on the show on this friday cam berry welcome back to the show hope you're doing well
2: yeah, doing, doing well. Would have been better if uh, Auburn had gotten a win in Stegman Coliseum uh, Wednesday night. Um, my first show since, uh, since that game. And a tough loss. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it and talk about uh, Arkansas this weekend. That'll be a big one. Uh, I'll be in there for that game. So it'll have a lot of energy, that's for sure. And um, see if Neville Arena will uh, be able to help propel these auburn tigers to a to a top 10 um or excuse me top 15 win um and a a much needed win at that um and yeah i'm sure we'll talk you know some national championship stuff some college football stuff um some nfl maybe a little bit uh but yeah I'm, i'm excited to uh talk about all this today and having a great day a great friday oh yeah and i'll be going to the falcons game on sunday
1: yes you will yeah with your dad right yes, for his uh, little late birthday gift yes yeah. so uh yeah you've got a lot to look forward to then <sighs> yeah busy weekend be in uh, auburn or be in neville arena saturday be in mercedes-benz on sunday uh we will talk a little bit about the nfl we've been talking all week about uh the situation with the hamlin uh, which continues to get better by the day. Yeah, he was awesome. alert enough and uh, able to talk to uh, those in the room with him this morning, and also FaceTime his uh, teammates. And so uh, that part of it, he has continued to improve really each and every day.
2: Yeah, truly a blessing that he's recovering and and recuperating as well, and that his brain is having signs of life. I think that's the biggest win out of all this is that he's you know his recovery is going through. Um, relatively quickly I mean obviously nobody wants to talk about football just yet they just want him to be able to you know live and breathe and talk like a normal person again and um, <coughs> excuse me and it's great that you know all of that is transpiring. He was able to talk to his teammates you were able to see during the bill's practice uh, yesterday that they were smiling just because that that um, situation is developing well and and things are going positively. Uh, in that direction for Demar, um, and we also, you know, have kind of figured out how how these games are going to move forward as well. And um, for him, I'm just happy that he's all right, and happy that, you know, he has an opportunity to live. Things didn't go south. Um, I'm glad that he's able to talk and communicate well with his teammates. Uh, all of his extremities. He was able to move his fingers and toes, um, be able to breathe on his own, be able to talk on his own. That's truly a blessing um, that I think everybody prayed for and hoped for, and I'm glad it's just going in the right direction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as it continues to go in the right direction, we, we hope that he uh, returns to a normal state of life at some point. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that uh, obviously the conversation has continued around that, but also it shifted a little bit to the procedural side of things with the NFL schedule. And we've talked a little bit about that in the last couple of days and now start to have uh, the concrete uh, concrete way of doing things here for uh, for this postseason, and it will be a little bit of a different postseason. Um, they will go uh, – we mentioned a couple scenarios earlier in the week. So what the the league and its owners have decided on is essentially a model where – Uh, If Cincinnati loses to Baltimore, let's start with them, on Sunday, then the Bengals will still finish a half a game ahead of them technically, but Baltimore will have won both games, meaning they could have won the division if Cincinnati lost to Buffalo if they'd played. So they will coin flip for who has the right to have uh, home field in that game because it looks like the way the seedings would work out is they would play each other in the first round. So if they're going to play each other in the first round and Baltimore wins – they will coin flip for who uh, has the uh, home field, uh, who hosts that game. If Cincinnati wins, obviously that's a mute point, and that part of it is taken out. So the, the next part, the last part of it, is seedings 1, 2, and 3. And again, uh, w- one of the models they were discussing yesterday is what they ultimately went with, where if Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati are, are kind of playing each other, two out of those three teams are playing you're going to see a neutral site AFC championship game. Now, Now, not if Cincinnati loses to Baltimore, for example. You have to have uh, the ability after this game, you have to have had the ability to still be the one seed um, if, uh, if, if, if you had been able to play the Cincinnati-Buffalo game. But uh, most scenarios there between those three teams, there will be a neutral site AFC championship game um, we do not know the venue. We will see. It may not come to that, but uh, someone will have to be ready. I was reading today maybe a logical uh, place would have been Ford Field in Detroit. They're actually scheduled to rip up that turf in January Oof, uh, wow. and do a uh, uh, returf it, I guess. Um, and so th- that uh, would not be able to happen. And so I don't know where the venue would be, but essentially uh, they will uh, kind of uh, – you know, have this possibility of having a neutral site AFC championship game. I think that's incredibly fair. Uh, the only argument I've heard that people don't love is Cincinnati not loving that the uh, coin flip will decide the AFC North uh, if they lose to Baltimore, just because uh, although they will not have the tiebreaker, if they had beaten Buffalo, they could have still had a better record. Uh, and uh, but uh, so I've heard Zach Taylor be very. Uh, upset with that but uh they have a chance to win the division on their home field yeah, sunday as well so um and uh, Lamar Jackson will not be playing in that game either so i think Cincinnati will be okay there but uh otherwise i think everyone understands the circumstances and uh i i don't know i couldn't have thought of a, a better plan i don't think
2: yeah i mean i think the nfl did the best that they could right with this given the circumstances and the situation uh we kind of speculated that we thought that they'd move some timelines back that the game really we felt like the game had to be played because it was such an important game that had so many different stipulations to it um but ultimately they decided that there was just no way to figure out a place and time to play the game that would be sufficient for everybody uh so they ended up canceling it um I, I guess that's the next best thing. Um, having a neutral site ch- uh, conference championship game is the right move. Um, the coin flip, I, th- I mean, I think that's just the best that you can do, right? If, you, if you're the league, you're just deciding this, you know, to try and make everybody as happy as possible. Obviously, Cincinnati's not extremely happy with how that, that was decided. But for them, if they win the game, then they are fine. That's, there's nothing to worry about. Um so I think that's just kind of how how you have to think about it if you're Cincinnati it's like well if we if we if we win we're fine. No big deal, no worries whatsoever. Um if you're the Ravens you know coin flip you still might end up losing. So it, again it is what it is. Your record's worse, you could still end up getting the division if you do win against against Cincinnati. Um but Lamar's not playing so that's going to be a really tough challenge um to to go against Cincinnati who is at full strength. Um and if you're Buffalo, um I'm re- I'm kind of reading this. Um Buffalo, they they they're just kind of competing with Kansas City at this point. So, um neutral site championship game. It is what it is. Um just keep on playing, keep moving forward.
1: So that is the uh, situation what they're doing post Lamar Hamlin. Again, a potential uh, AFC championship game on a neutral field. And then if the Bengals lose, the Ravens a coin toss to decide who is at home in that playoff matchup, should it take place. All right, 334-887-34 on locally, toll-free, nine tiger 9 Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. James from
3: Montgomery.
1: James joins us. James, how are you doing?
3: Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I am so happy for DeMar Hamilton being back, you know, breathing, feeling his – uh, arms and legs. I mean, miracles do work in mysterious ways by the by the power of God, and I hope he'll be back at 100% on the NFL football field sometime real soon. So, I mean, it's, it's to be determined uh, at this point in time. Amen. <clears throat> yes, as well, because, I mean, just like y'all said about the uh, AFC championship games, uh, you know, about the neutral sites, if I was playing, if I was on the NFC side of the NFL and I want to play in a neutral site, I would just have to say for the for the NFC Championship game, I would like to have that championship matchup being played like in Canton, Ohio. You know, you know just just to throw that out there. You know, for for the uh, makeup game on Monday night. You know, that can be you know, like a charity event game as well.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think the, the NFL is going to make a playoff game into a, a charity event, although uh, Canton, Ohio, is always a great scene for the, uh, for the Hall of Fame game and for the uh, first preseason game of the year. Also, the seating capacity would be something that they – uh, would not have enough of to have a, a playoff game. So, yeah. uh, you know, they uh, that that's a nice idea, but I think for for several reasons, the league would probably look somewhere else.
3: Yeah, or maybe maybe with the University of Buffalo, you know, in a in a college stadium as well, right? Right in the Buffalo area as well, and and basically just to give the ticket portion of that game on Monday night, take the money that both of these teams both of these fan bases are really good fan bases and actually take the money and um and actually donate it to uh demar hamilton's toy drive just to give him you know a, a more percentage on his um go page as well
1: yeah so demar Hamlin has uh uh, seen a lot of contributions his way from several organizations, players, fans. It's up to uh, $8 million. Yeah, on last year I was going to say seven-something, so up to $8 million have already been raised there. So, I, you know, I, and there's going to be other ways that people help out too. So uh, he's already gotten a, a lot of support there, and we love to see that. So I'm sure the NFL might think of another thing or two to do uh, charity-wise as well. But, uh, again, I think they're going to keep the, uh, the playoff games and, and try and let the teams get their normal profits from it.
3: Yeah, so if they're going to uh, figure out a option to reschedule the game, I mean, it, it's too far out to be determined by the NFL or Roger Goodell because they don't – I mean, Roger Goodell doesn't have the proper uh, way of looking at it. So they, the Players Association, they have the proper uh, way of looking at it and voting in. Or voting on uh, a neutral site as well, and seeing where they're going to actually um, put, you know, the remaining game on Monday night and push it back after uh, after the the AFC NFC uh, playoff game actually uh, come, comes about as well.
1: Yeah, so they, they will not be making up that uh, Buffalo and Cincinnati game. They, they The league has already decided that game will not happen, so it would only be if uh, those two teams or, or some form or fashion, Kansas City, uh, plays in the AFC Championship game, that's when they would schedule a neutral site game, but the, the Buffalo-Cincinnati regular season game will not happen.
3: Okay, so I'll just have to worry about that game as well, and just move forward into week eighteen, which is gonna be a really good uh matchup. I'm gonna be watching um Kansas City. They're gonna be going up to uh you know, they're gonna be going up to Las Vegas. It's gonna be hot out there and uh seeing Jared Sinem playing for the Las Vegas Raiders, I, I think the Raiders I think they're gonna win. I think they got a home field advantage up there and it's gonna be a lot of it- it's it's gonna be a lot of chips being fall like you know in in las vegas so i think a lot of people are going to be betting on the Va- on the las vegas raiders to actually win and i know it's going to be a lot of people making a lot of um a, a lot of uh great a, a lot of great cards being dealt on the table as well for that one as well
1: uh, i see what you did there james with all the uh the betting and the casinos in las vegas uh Yeah, I think uh, Las Vegas definitely surprised some people, including Jared Stidham, uh, last week when they were able to take uh, San Francisco to overtime, nearly win that game. And and Jared Stidham, although he did throw that interception in overtime, played quite well uh, throughout the game. And and so it was a surprisingly good performance. However, I think now that Kansas City has seen uh, Las Vegas put a full game on tape with Jared Stidham, I don't think they're going to be uh, too disrespectful of, of what uh, las vegas can still do and i think they're going to be ready to play that game
3: yes as well because i do have vegas uh at a, at a 95 uh a 95 percent margin chance a, a chance of winning at home as well because i I would like to see um jared stentham actually uh gets a big win and he's a auburn native of auburn university so i'm just going to be uh, you know rooting on Jarek denham as well and um seeing what great things he's going to do on uh Saturday as well
1: what else do you have on your mind today James
3: well I'm actually uh counting the days down to the national championship between Georgia and CCU actually as well so I'm going to be looking at this uh this huge uh historic matchup between Georgia and CCU because I think Georgia this will be I think this will be like their fourth time actually playing in the national championship, and this is TCU's first time ever since 1938. So I think TCU will take this one as well, and actually, you know, bring in a lot of um, a lot of uh, a lot of hope to the Horn Frogs as well. So I think it's going to be a lot of. Um, I guess it's going to be. I, I will have to say with the with a frog team i'll probably say they'll be hopping around the field as well
1: well uh that would be good news for tcu as they uh they try and make big plays and they certainly were doing that against michigan when they put 50 on uh michigan and yeah james will be the uh the third time yeah. georgia will be in the national championship game under kirby smart they obviously have the win last year against alabama and then they lost to alabama uh, a few years prior to that but uh yeah, this is – uh, I, I don't want to say David versus Goliath because TCU is better than that, but uh, this is a team in Georgia that was expected to go far this year versus a TCU team that was not anticipated to be here whatsoever. So uh, this is a, a, a big matchup here between uh, a really great Georgia team and a TCU team that's uh, been uh, been beating expectations all year long.
3: Yes, yeah, so that's um, I looked at TCU and their – their first time since 1938, so that's a long, long time ago for TCU. So I think if TCU wins out this coming up Monday, I mean, this this is really going to be a really good game, and it's in a really good site. It's in uh, it's played in um, it's played in the AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play. So it's going to be a very, very uh, good thing that Jerry Jones actually opened up the stadium to these two teams, and I wish uh, both of these teams the best of luck, and um, one team will have to come out as the victor.
1: Yeah, so it uh, it won't quite be in AT&T Stadium, James. This one will be in uh, SoFi Stadium out in L.A. That's the, uh, the home of the Rams and the Chargers, but I know that AT&T Stadium does host big games from time to time and is definitely going to be in that championship rotation, but this one will be out at SoFi Stadium.
3: Oh, okay, so this will be like the Hollywood uh, – blockbuster movie uh title as well so it's going to be a lot of people um watching this and uh at home and movie theaters and it's really it's a really good uh thing that uh that they're actually going to be playing that game out in la as well
1: james you still there uh hello yeah. All right. There we go. There's James. Uh, we we lost you for a second, but we hear you again.
3: Oh, sorry about that. That's on my end. Sorry.
1: Oh, all good. But uh, yeah, as you were saying, you know about the uh, Hollywood blockbuster. It is funny uh, being out in L.A. The only thing people are having a problem with is they're not being allowed to tailgate in the parking lots uh, inexplicably, mm-hmm. which is a big part of college football, as we all know. We we all love some good tailgating, and they're not allowing that to happen out there. So that's a uh, a little bit of a red flag on that environment, but uh, still uh, will be a beautiful stadium to play in.
3: Yeah, I said, I mean, I mean, SoFi Stadium is a beautiful stadium to actually play in. I've actually seen uh, so many great games being played there on national TV. Uh, one in particular was uh, the Super Bowl back uh, last year. I think it was like 2020 or 2021, if I'm uh, making my predictions right on that.
1: It was last year. It was between the Rams and the Bengals.
3: Yeah, so um, I think this is going to be a really good game, and you know I know this is going to be a hot ticket. So um, I've already already picked uh, CCU to actually win. So um, I'm I'm hoping that CCU would come out and win for me as well, and uh, seeing some great great uh, great actors on on the football field as well.
1: Any uh, any final thoughts for us, James, where we got to let you go and go, got to go to commercial?
3: Um. Well, actually, I do have uh, a final thought. Coming up uh, this, coming up June, on June the 7th, they're going to be doing the NFL All-Star Game as well. So that's going to be very, very interesting. I've already saw the roster. They're going to have a lot of Auburn uh, players being actually playing in this game, and it's going to be played – in Dallas, Texas. So that is this coming up Saturday at uh I don't know the time, so the time is to be determined and they're trying to figure out uh what sports uh station will actually pick it up. I'm thinking they're going to do it on the NFL Network, so I'm uh trying to keep all ears on that. I mean, all eyes on that one as well because I've uh watched the All-Star uh games for the NFL for many many years, so I'm Thinking that they're going to do it on the NFL network, I'm not quite sure um, when that actually is going to come available. But I'll keep you all um, updated as well.
1: Uh, yeah, well, uh, it looks like it's going to be the uh, the weekend before the Super Bowl, uh, which is mm-hmm. typically the case. So that will be uh, Sunday, February 5th uh, in Las Vegas. The Pro Bowl games uh, is when that will be taking place.
3: Yes and i was just looking at um the roster for the pro bowl and i think they have uh some auburn players that are going to be playing in the pro bowl for uh, february the 5th but i'm not quite sure on that one as well
1: yeah we'll just have to see we've been talking about uh, daniel carlson narrowly missing uh, could have easily been the uh, afc representative as a kicker but uh yeah we'll uh, we'll have to go through those rosters at some point all
3: right it sounds good and i'll talk to you all guys on monday war eagle have a great weekend james
1: war eagle that is james from montgomery joining us on our auburn bank phone line we need to take our first time out of the show more sports call coming up after this
0: Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: sports call continuing on in this friday afternoon appreciate james from montgomery for joining us on our auburn bank phone line just a couple moments ago 334-887-341 locally or toll-free eight nine tiger 9 to join us today on the auburn bank phone line we can talk anything and everything in the world of sports all right uh, let's go ahead and do something that we do each and every day it's time for birthdays and sports <laughs> it's time for today's birthdays in sports birthdays in sports presented by max credit union here on january the 6th almost about to wrap up a full week of the new year and dominican sue turns 36 defensive tackle for the philadelphia eagles has also played for the lions dolphins rams and bucks sue was an all-american selection at uh uh, all, uh, all-american selection in oregon as a high schooler then signed in nebraska in 2005 played all four years in nebraska and was two-time all big 12 selection as a senior he was a big 12 defensive player of the year and an all-american winner of the outland lombardi bednarik and nagurski trophies Sheesh. He, that's a lot of them <laughs> about all of them you can win if yeah. you're a big boy like that he was taken second overall by the lions in the 2009 nfl draft was named defensive rookie of the year in 2010. He is a five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro and one-time Super Bowl champion. And in his younger years, he enjoyed
2: stopping on people while they were on the ground. And dominican Sue turns 36. Was definitely going to allude to that as well. <laughs> uh was definitely known as one of the dirtier players in the NFL. A uh, mean mean guy. Um but He's done I mean, less he's of that always, as easy. He's done less. And, yeah. But he I mean he's always been an extremely talented player. Yep.
1: Absolutely. Hallie Long turned 63, former defensive lineman for the L.A. Raiders. Long played college football at Villanova and was a four-year letterman. He was also a collegiate heavyweight boxing champion during his time in Philadelphia. He was taken in the second round of the 1981 draft by the Raiders and would play 13 seasons for the team. He was an eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, one-time Defensive Player of the Year, and a Super Bowl champion. He is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you can watch him on uh, pregame shows on Fox. Howie Long yep. turns 63 today.
2: I like to watch his uh, pregame on Fox because, you know, Falcons are always on Fox. So
1: There you go. I, I don't really prefer one pregame or the other. I prefer the uh, football to start. True. <laughs> it's usually, True. Uh just to be honest. Accurate. Uh, both both networks have a couple guys worth watching, so I don't know if I really have a go-to. But uh, Howie Long been doing a while turning 63 today. Jameis Winston turns 29, quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Winston was born in Bessemer, Alabama, and played college football and baseball at Florida State. After redshirting his freshman, Winston was named the starting quarterback in 2013 and won a national championship, as well as the Heisman Trophy. He led (laughs) FSU to the inaugural college football playoff semifinal the next year. After the 2014 season, he declared for the NFL draft and was taken first overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In 2015, he was named Rookie of the Year, made his only Pro Bowl to the state, and uh, also is uh, this is extra not on the sheet is uh, known for throwing 30 interceptions 30, 30, in one season. 30, 30. <laughs> uh, Jameis Winston turns 29 today, and ha- happy birthday to Gilbert Arenas, aka Agent Zero. Turns 41, former NBA guard. Arenas played basketball at Arizona, where he was a two-time All-Pac-10 selection, was drafted in the second round of the '01 one draft by the Golden State Warriors, played 14 seasons in the NBA, most of them for the Wizards, was a three-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA selection, uh, did some bad things, yeah, and uh, ruined his career because of that, but uh, otherwise was a very talented player. Gilbert Arenas turns 41 tad, today.
2: Tad off the rails, but, uh, I mean... Uh Pure scorer, if you ever seen one, right? True. Um, and just different in how he carried himself around the game. Um, was yeah. just a part of that, that uh, early two thousands culture in the NBA that was, you know, just interesting, yeah. just overall interesting.
1: So, uh, Gilbert Arenas, Jameis Winston, Howie Long, and Andam Sue with birthdays today. Those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. We're gonna go ahead and take our next break of the show. We got to talk some national championship game coming up in a little bit. We got to talk some college basketball and then big deal, little deal, or no big deal coming up a little later on. A lot to do here on this Friday edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back.
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn
2: Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to the Friday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy cambury Brooks Childress will be joining us momentarily. A lot to talk about on the show today as we're just now two shows away from a national championship game, Georgia and TCU, the final college football game of the year. Let's talk a little bit about that as we start to preview it. Georgia and TCU both involved in highly entertaining games last weekend. Uh, to literally ring in the new year in the case of uh, Georgia and Ohio State. And uh, both those games were some of the best playoff games we've seen. And so it stands to reason that Monday nights will not be <laughs> like that. Uh, but we will see. Uh, obviously, you have to do a lot to earn this spot, and TCU beat a Michigan team that uh, dropped Ohio State. Uh, so uh, TCU has obviously earned their medal here. Now, can they hold up against Georgia and the physical nature of Georgia? Because I feel like playing Michigan is playing Georgia light. Okay, Michigan's yeah, going to do things very similar to Georgia. They're just not going to necessarily do them as dynamically right. or as uh, execute with, as well with as much strength and yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, but just let's look at this matchup between Georgia and TCU. Uh, it feels like it is going to be very highly on the on the shoulders of, of Max Duggan to make big plays for TCU. And even though they scored 51 points, it's kind of funny to say this, even though they scored 50 points on Michigan, he really didn't play great. His numbers were not great. He made some big plays uh, for sure, but he also made a few mistakes. And so it's it's not often you say someone on an offensive team scored 50 points, needs to play even better, but they're going to have to get a lot out of Max Duggan on Monday night.
2: Yeah, I mean they they uh, also relied a lot on their defense uh, to make some plays, and their defense did make those plays. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he performs. I was actually just uh, talking to one of my old uh, teachers uh, from high school. He's a he's a big UGA fan. He's like, "Who you got?" Because uh, he uh, he's always he's actually one of the people that told me I should go into talking about sports for a living um, after high school, and he said. Um, he said, "I feel like Georgia's going to win in about a thirty-one to twenty-ish range." He was like, "If if Duggan gets out and starts running, though, UGA is going to be in trouble." I said, "I agree." Um, He's like, "Like like how Stroud did against UGA." He's like, "I think I think we're going to struggle." I said, "I think the scouting report is going to be just very different in the sense of that. I think that UGA is probably going to put a spy on Duggan from." Dugan, Dugan, Duggan, Dugan. from the start uh, to keep him as contained as possible. Not, you know, the edge brushers can't over pursue on their on their um, on their attacks. Um, and they're going to keep eyes on him at all times because he is a running quarterback. And unlike Stroud, um, who really was more content to stay in the pocket, obviously, unless um, I mean, things broke down and he used his legs a lot more, I think, even than UGA expected. Um because he relies on it he did rely on his arm so much um he didn't have a single rushing touchdown in the entire season. um and uh, Duggan has a bunch uh, as we are very well aware. and so I think that's gonna change how how they approach this this game. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty much all on his shoulders him and Quentin Johnson johnston um they're they're gonna be the two that you really. Uh, need to key in on because TCU is. I'm pretty sure they're missing their starting running back. Uh, I thought I know I he, got he got banged I, up
1: I, in that game. I'm not sure of his uh, status. Do you think yeah, he's out for I, that? I th-
2: I thought he was because I don't even think he came back for the Michigan game. I don't I don't think so. Um, so oh, I
1: thought you were referring to who got hurt in the Michigan game because they're they had a running back. Uh, I want to say it was Ke- uh, Kendra Miller got hurt. Yeah, so that's in that their. Sh-
2: that was yeah, Kendre Miller. But did they have another guy who was starting before Miller? I don't know. I'd have yeah, to look I, I don't know. I don't know. Either.
1: I know McCardo had 150 for him <laughs> against Michigan, so he right.
2: played well too. Yeah, he did. He, so you know they're gonna have to need that rushing attack, and and Georgia's front is gonna be tough to to really break through. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I think you need to really attack their their DBs. Uh, I think Quentin Johnson will be able to win his matchup with um, with Keeler Ringo, even though Ringo, I mean, there's that's two first rounders to two top 15 picks, probably. Um, but we've seen that um, Ringo has has been burnt a few times. Uh And uh, I think you can expose that matchup because of his aggressive nature um, and use that to your advantage. So it'll be interesting to see how TCU approaches this game. Like I said, I think UGA is just going to keep a spy on Duggan, uh, really just keep their eyes on him at all times because he's what makes their offense go for the most part. Uh, And if you can contain him, you can mostly contain that offense.
1: Yeah, what Kendra Miller is their lead back. He has 1,400 yards on the year. Uh, so he did play a little bit in that Michigan game. As as stated, he did get rolled up and did not return. So we'll see. I don't know oh, okay. quite his status for the Georgia game. Uh, but Demarcado is their second-leading rusher of over 600 yards in the year and had the uh, 17 carries for 150 against Michigan. So we'll see. Certainly they liked both backs, and and uh, Miller was the one with 1,399 yards, 1400 yards. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, TCU, if, here's the thing. I, I would have said prior to the Ohio State game that it would just be really difficult to score on Georgia no matter who you are. Right. Their game against Tennessee. I mean, they played Tennessee as well as anyone played Tennessee's offense. I mean, I know South Carolina beat them badly, but that was because they scored 60. They still gave it 35 right. in that game. So I would have said that I just don't know if TCU is going to be able to find ways to make enough plays. But seeing Ohio State score a pretty easy yeah. 40 points on him. I mean, they Stroud looked good. he was protected very well. offensive line did a great job uh, of protecting him. And just given that Ohio State was able to do that, I think there is some hope that TCU can score some real points here. The problem is is can TCU actually hold down Georgia? And you typically would not be too worried about that. Georgia does not strike one as a incredibly explosive offense. But uh, they're coming off the hill, scoring 42 against Ohio State. They scored 50 against LSU in the SEC title game. Clearly, Georgia has some offensive chops, and I think it goes into kind of disrespecting Stetson Minute at times. There's yeah. always a delicate balance to it because at times, uh, you know, it, you go a little too far down the train and saying, "Ah, oh, he's just below average. He's all not right. even any. He's not even good at all." Uh, but he clearly has made clutch plays for them, and he clearly has. Uh, a pretty potent deep ball. I mean, he's thrown yeah. some really good stuff it. down the field. Uh, Thirty-eight hundred yards now in fourteen games. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, you have to. Some people feel very strongly about Stetson and Bennett. Usually, oh more towards the negative. Yeah. So I, I tread cautiously here. But he is a he is a decent enough quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. That that should not be a thing. Uh, they would not get here without him. Um, as far as the clutch plays needed to make both in the National Championship game last year against Alabama and the clutch plays needed to make in two straight drives against Ohio State this year. And I think that's the big difference in him now than it was from the first rendition of him his first year – was that he'd make a mistake or two, as he still does now, but he would then compound those mistakes and he'd never really recover. Now he usually recovers from those mistakes. He did not play a great first half against Ohio State through the pick, almost through one go and a half, and he played a very, very good second half. And so that's where he has matured. Uh, at the ripe old age of 25 or 26, whatever he is. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's 25. Um, and so that's where he has learned and gotten better is he still makes that mistake. That's why he's not an elite quarterback. But he's a solid quarterback because he comes back and rebounds from that mistake and does not d- just go into a disheveled state of just throwing wildly, losing confidence, and, and that sort of thing. So I'm kind of under the impression that George is still going to score a lot of points. TCU will still need to score – this will need to be a high-scoring game for TCU to win. I don't think they can win this game 24-21. to 21. Nah. Uh, and, and, again, that that's surprising to say because you would have said uh, at the beginning of last year that you could have done that to Georgia because especially when you factor in, they don't have an elite running back either. Nah. Uh, McIntosh, McIntosh is good. Is good. He's yeah. their leading rusher, but he doesn't even have 1,000 yards. Uh, they actually do throw it. I think they throw
2: it more than they run it. Yeah, and especially considering I think we've always thought of Georgia as a a rush-first team, right, as a running potent team. Um, But they relied a lot more on their passing game. I mean, Stetson Bennett threw for almost 400 yards, 398, and three touchdowns against Ohio State. So that's where he was really – I mean, he was was hitting his throws, you know, obviously through the one pick in the first half and almost through the second one. But, again, um, like like Ryan said, I mean, he's – he's been doing a lot better in where he made those mistakes and then he comes back and he just does a lot, a lot better um, and learns from those mistakes. Um, They don't have that. I mean, they don't have that amazing receiver. It seems like, but they have guys that are able to get open. Um, I mean, they had uh, Smith who Arian Smith, uh, AD, I think is what they call him. Um, Three receptions, 129 yards and a touchdown. Like that's, I mean, you know you you don't need much more than that um not a whole bunch of receptions but you know they kind of run a lot of their offense through their tight ends with Brock Bowers and Dar- uh, Darnell Washington uh so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of play with that um and uh the their other receiver lead receiver Lad McConkey. I mean he didn't have an absolutely outstanding game um Ohio State kind of tried to key in on their receivers and uh yeah i i agree with you it's gonna have to be a high scoring game uh tcu like they're probably gonna have to drop 45 again really to to stand a chance uh to really do that they're gonna have to come out to have to punch georgia in the mouth just like they did in michigan um i think michigan was really shocked um at the beginning of the game and you know obviously in the second half they Michigan came back and scored 24 in the third, uh, 15 in the fourth, but it still wasn't enough because TCU came back and put 20 in the third and 10 in the fourth. So you just kind of have to, once you get that initial punch in the mouth, you have to keep that momentum going or you'll end up just like how Ohio State did. They had a lot of momentum at the beginning of the game, but Georgia scored 18 fourth quarter points compared to Ohio State's three, and that ultimately is what cost them the game.
1: And, and look, again, I know there's been certain games this year where Georgia has not looked very good offensively. I think a lot of that was them just kind of taking their foot off the gas and maybe yeah. not having the edge about them because every big game they played in, they have scored. I will read you all the way through this. So seven of 14 games this year, they have scored 40 or more points. These are the games. They beat Oregon 49-3. They beat South Carolina in the first SEC game. They played 48-7. They crushed Auburn 42-10. It's easy to crush Vandy, but they did that 55-0. In the big Florida-Georgia rivalry, they crushed Florida 42-20. They beat Mississippi State 45-19. And then the SEC title game, 50-30 on LSU, and the Ohio State game, 42-41. to 41. Really, the only big game they did not score 40 points was the Tennessee game. And, of course, that was more a referendum on what the Georgia defense can do against the vaunted Tennessee offense. And they passed that test with flying covers, only uh, colors excuse me, only giving up 13 points in that game. So, really, I mean, look, yeah, you can talk about, well, they only beat Kent State 39-22 or they only scored 33 on Sanford. That's great. They didn't give a crap yeah, <laughs> about those I, games. Not a si- not a single bit did they care they get about games those games. To. So when they're tested, uh, they usually pass that test. few minutes left here uh, in the first hour now. Uh, excited to welcome on Mr. Brooks Childress to the show Brooks, today. Hey. Brooks, welcome, sir. Hey. Hope you are well.
4: I'm doing fine. Um, you know, had some had some work to c- accomplish. Uh, so we're late missed getting you. here. I'm sorry. I uh
1: um, you're here now, that's I'm what here matters now. that's what matters. So uh, what are your thoughts here on this uh, Georgia TCU national championship game coming up Monday night?
4: I, I mean it it you you know if, if you you're a fan of college football, you and a, you know and you're not a, if you're a fan of college football, that's not also a fan of the Georgia Bulldogs. I think that you are uh, you know watching this game you're, you're gonna watch this game and you know hope for a a TCU win. Um nothing against Georgia. It's just that it's it, TCU is a great story. uh Georgia did, you know, they won it last year. That kind of was like the Georgia was the story of last year where it was like can they finally get that national title? Can they finally do it? And they did it. And that was the big story last year. This year it's kind of, you know, the you've got TCU. They were what? 200 to 1 odds coming into the season to win win the national title. Uh I think that was the big storyline at the beginning of the week. Um you have a, a quarterback in Duggan who didn't start the year uh, at, as the starter, came in after the starter got hurt, and carried them uh, through this season, almost to an undefeated season. Tripped up in the Big 12 title game, and then he got himself into New York for the Heisman race, uh, Heisman finalist, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great story. Sonny Dykes in his first year at, at TCU, it, they're, they're, it's, it's one of these stories that college football sets out there and you, you watch it every year and you say, this is great, this is why we love the sport. And I, I think a lot of people who love college football are hoping that that's, that comes to uh, a, a positive ending for TCU where they're crowned national champions. They beat the, the Goliath that is Georgia. <laughs> But then you look at it on the field, on paper. You're like, well, I think I saw what uh, a stat today where Georgia's got 28 blue chip recruits on their team, and TCU has got seven. And you you look at your you you see it. You're like, man, I don't know. And but TCU but has
2: more heart. They
4: well, <laughs> I, I don't know. Stetson Bennett's got a lot of heart, um, and. He was also a Heisman. So you've got two Heisman Trophy finalists quarterbacks going at it, just like you did last week with Stetson Bennett and uh, C.J. Stroud. I think what, what is going for uh, TCU is they've got the, a fun, great offense that, much like Ohio State, can score the football. The, other, the only bad part is I don't know if, the defense is going to be able to hold up against this Georgia team because like you were saying, they've got some great tight ends, they've got some great wide receivers. they've always got good running backs like it, it's just it's phenomenal how Georgia over the years has just been able to restack with a, with, a, with a running back right um, And you know I know a lot of people you know don't like Stetson Bennett or you know there was there was a lot of Georgia fans last year that were doubting Stetson Bennett should have been the starter. He's <laughs> proven himself
2: he came back.
4: He, he's proven himself as a capable starter. And I just, I don't know if is if going to have enough to get the win in this one. I, I think that I it's going to be close, at least for a half. I think TCU, I think there's a really good chance TCU comes out, knocks Georgia in the mouth, gets a lot of momentum there. But then I think once you hit that second half, I think you're going to see the the experience and the, hey, we've been in this situation, Georgia Bulldogs come out and uh, start to take over that game once you you get that. Much like you saw in the Ohio State game where Georgia – it was kind of – it was very close. Ohio State seemed to have the upper hand in the first half and then that second half hit, and you could just – little bits and pieces you started to see Georgia grow into that game and ultimately were able to finish it out and get a win and get themselves back in a chance to win another national title.
1: Yeah, I I treat this a lot – really how I do a lot of the time against Alabama or Georgia – TCU being no different here, TCU's going to need to start well. Uh, the Georgia is not somebody you come from behind on. You've got to kind of surprise them and knock them in the tee first and then try and hang on. Uh, just how many times over the years do you see Georgia or Alabama, when they finally do lose that game, uh, it's because they got down early. It's not usually someone comes back from down two touchdowns to beat them. It's usually someone gets out two touchdowns and then just keeps, keeps putting in points or – Just does enough to hang on. So TCU doesn't have to get up two touchdowns, not saying that, but they can't get down two touchdowns. They need a a positive start in this game. They need to punch Georgia and show Georgia that they're on that same caliber of play. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back in hour number two, a lot of headlines to get to. We'll hit that in big deal, little deal, or no big deal in the middle of the hour. We also got to talk to some Auburn basketball as they get ready for a top 15 opponent in the Arkansas Razorbacks. Stay tuned. More sports call coming up after this.
0: One hour of our show is in the books. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two underway here on this Friday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LeBoy Canberry, Brooks Childress here on this beautiful Friday. Another comfortable 60-degree day. Nothing wrong with that as far as I'm concerned. TGIF and uh indeed end of the first week of the first of the new year and uh it's been a In good new one. era yes sir uh if you want to go that route too we can they have not what,
4: canned me yet one weekend how you feeling
1: uh tired I'm tired, tired. tired.
4: I'll, I'll be honest tired. this side of the board not much different right not much yeah. different i mean someone else is pushing buttons and telling me when to talk
1: i mean i'm not saying my intros and outros is loud I don't think. Oh, is true. The, so you're not getting your ears blown out from time <laughs> to time, but uh,
4: my my volume knob here on our our controller in front of us has stayed at the exact same level the entire time. Yeah, had
1: to move. Just trying to be consistent, just <laughs> so the people can expect consistency. That's all we want to do here. Uh, but uh, I'm thrilled to be with you all again. Again, Ryan Lavoy, now the host of this show, and I've still got this great team around me, such as Cam Barry and Brooks Childress, like I said, who are on the show. Today, let's talk a little Auburn basketball, and then we'll go back to our Auburn phone line in just a couple minutes. Again, getting you set. Uh, tomorrow night, a big one in the SEC between Vanderbilt Missouri. Just kidding. Auburn and Arkansas. Uh, as uh, Arkansas 13th ranked and Auburn 22nd ranked. Uh, Auburn losing earlier this week. Uh, as the Tigers really trying to make up for another Ruff. Uh, excuse me. Rudd. Whoa. All right. Let's You'll try get this again. Ruff road outing uh easy for me to say as uh they really did not do a good job particularly at much of anything in in Athens losing 76 to 64 so now they get set for a matchup with the Arkansas Razorbacks who came back on the Missouri Tigers uh this in the midweek as they were trailing by double digits at home for much of that first half a little bit in the second half and uh Arkansas able to get that victory so uh, what do you guys see need to see out of Auburn to be able to beat Arkansas on Auburn's home floor
4: tomorrow night? I think one thing is, went back to what we said, What I, I think I said this on yesterday's show, and it, it had to have been because Auburn played on Wednesday night, um, that you only had two guys – On Auburn's team getting double digit points It was Janai Broom and Alan Flanagan Alan Flanagan as we said yesterday barely got in there With uh, 11 points on On the night in Georgia You gotta have more scoring You gotta have some more guys producing offense And that has been a struggle for this Tigers team We've talked about it all year long that they've had struggles scoring the basketball, um, but you've got to get some more guys in there. You've got to get uh, a Wendell Green going. You've got to get a K.D. Johnson going. There were several games last year where K.D. Johnson was the leading scorer for the for this Auburn team. I remember yeah. uh, you know several times last year putting him in as a, uh, a player of the week, uh, voting him for player of the week, because he'd had at least one great performance uh, that week out of the two games that were there, but – uh, you, you've got to have more than just Janai Broom getting in there consistently scoring the basketball. Janai's done a great job. He's averaging thirteen point one points per game, not where you want it to be, but if you know he he's done it, he's catching a groove. He's he's get, gotten into a groove when he when he finds it in the paint. He's he's been a really good uh, player. You got to have more guys though stepping up. I really want to see Wendell Green get get a little bit more consistent scoring. I really want to see him scoring consistently in the double digits. Is it going to happen? I don't. I think he's got to get more of those threes to fall down, um, and then also you got to take advantage of those second chance opportunities. I know Steve brought it up yesterday uh, for the for the game, but there was so there is so many points in that Auburn Georgia game where Auburn got one or two or three chances at a at a at a basket, missed all of them, and then Georgia would run the court the other way with it. You got to be able to convert those second chance points. Um, you, you've, that can, it's one of those stats, second chance points that you, it's down the stat list a little bit, but it can be the difference in a basketball game. Um, and then the next thing, you know, just looking at Arkansas, I think a big thing is stopping, uh, Ricky council, uh, their guard. He's averaging 18.4 per game. If you can shut him down a little bit, I think, you know, you heard, if if you listen to the break, you heard Bruce Pearl talking about, um, you know previewing this Arkansas game this week and they've guarded Arkansas fairly well the last few seasons but if, and if you could shut down Ricky Council and then you know be able to uh keep the rest you know shut shut him take, down specifically yeah. and then guard well with everybody else you've got a real good you've got a real good shot to win uh win this game tomorrow night. and like we said yesterday you only get one shot at Arkansas this year and it's at home so you got to take advantage of it
2: yeah um only one shot against Arkansas and I agree Ricky Council is really the catalyst for for that Razorback team, um, but they, they play a lot of um, what is kind of references like positionless basketball. Uh, they have uh, multiple guys who can bring the floor, bring the ball up the floor. They have five-star Anthony Black, who is um, a, a very talented player. Um, and, you know, he's, I think he's their leading assister. Um And it's going to be interesting to see because I, uh, Missouri played Arkansas very, very well for mm, i would say about 15 minutes of that game uh that first 15 minutes they they really dominated arkansas and it looked like they they were going to be able to put them away but um arkansas really uh, what helped them big time was crashing the boards they they had a bunch of second half uh second chance points and that's what really gave them the ability to get back into that game against missouri um and you so if you're Auburn, you really have to think boxing out is something that is going to be extremely key. Um, Arkansas is a really drive-heavy team. They don't really shoot the ball well, like I think most college basketball teams have not this season. Um, you, they they like to get to the foul line, and that's where they get a lot of their points as well. Uh, Eric Musselman said, you know, this team needs to get to the foul line about fifteen to twenty, or excuse me, eighteen to twenty times a game. Um, to really be successful, get their points at the line um, and draw a lot of fouls. So you got to be careful, be weary of that. They're going to want to drive. Um, don't let them get into the paint and, and really dominate, uh, dominate you that way. So it's a matchup that Janai Broom again might be able to win. Um, a, a game that could really favor his his ability, his height, his length. Uh, another you know abil- a game for Dylan Cardwell as well to be able to get up there and get those rebounds and, and put a body on somebody um i think that's a big point of emphasis you gotta think you know as soon as the shot goes up put a body on somebody you know uh, on somebody with a different jersey on um and yeah i mean the game against uga you know i mean they auburn just couldn't hit shots right 21 percent from three again another just awful shooting game uh 34 percent from the field uh you just you can't have that Wendell going t- two for 12 you just zero for six from three you just can't have it it's just your your leading scorer you know at, up to this point in the season um it's only seven points and you, you just it, four turnovers it, it's just bad and you, you gotta be able to you know fix that and and again with KD as well he only took um he only took excuse me uh <sighs> five shots so he only took five shots three points um one was a three and then I, I don't really he seemed to kind of be a slightly hesitant but i mean i'll take flan again take getting that 11 i think that's right where we need flan to really get uh, hit that 11 points really helps auburn big time um and i mean he shot 50 percent from the field so i'll i'll take that you know if if that's for from flan 50 percent from the field 11 points uh, I'll, I'll take that every day um the turnovers, again, you know, uh, really the main turnovers were really from Janai and, and Wendell. I think Janai sometimes has has a tendency to uh, project his passes. He'll kind of stare at who he's throwing the ball to and then throw it. And uh, that that happened a few times against UGA, and that's why he accounted for the four turnovers. So I'd like to see him not project his passes as much. I'd like him to, to be a little bit uh, a little bit smoother with his passing, like Dylan can tend to be, um, where he, he can you know dish the ball a little bit smoother. Uh, Wendell just needs to kind of not be as out of control when it comes to just you know the flow of the game, uh, and he won't turn the ball over as much anymore. So that's just kind of how that has to uh, how that's going to go. Um, and again Jalen Williams going one for nine from the field in 30 minutes of play you can't have that you need him to to be a little bit more efficient from the floor as well and um, Auburn will will be able to improve
1: three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one for blade nine tiger nine let's go back to the Auburn bank phone line next up Wardam Steve retired war Damn Steve Steve how are you doing today
5: good it's a fun Friday guys Fun Friday, and congratulations! Uh, you, as uh, far as I'm concerned, you uh, passed the audition. You survived the entire week.
1: Uh, thank you, sir.
5: And uh, I'm glad you didn't enter the uh, transfer portal as well.
1: Yeah, no portaling for me. Um, I'm content with my current nil deal, and uh, <laughs> NIL. I'm, uh, I'm 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 here to stay.
5: Okay, all right, that's good to hear. So uh, let's kick it up a notch, guys. This uh, basketball team. You know, uh, I thought, in fact, I've seen projections that we would be uh, anywhere between a fourth to fifth uh, seed. Now I'm wondering, guys, uh, do we even make a tournament if they continue playing uh, like they did against Georgia?
1: Right. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about some scenarios yesterday, and I, I went through the road schedule because I want to kind of break it down like this. You got nine home games, you got nine road games. If, you, if, if Auburn only goes about three and six on the road, or even two and seven, which is not impossible, then they need to go at least seven and two or six and three at home to have that 500 SEC record. They have that 500 SEC record. Uh, that will be enough to get them in the tournament. Might not be incredibly comfortable. It won't be a five seed, but they go 500 in the SEC. They'll be in the NCAA tournament. If they start to drop to eight and 10, or especially seven and 11 in the SEC, that is absolutely bubble time. And uh, that sweated out. What did you do in the SEC tournament? Who your wins were? How the other bubble teams look? And, and this, that, and the other thing. So, uh, and, and I just went through the road games uh, again on the show yesterday. But uh, you, you like Auburn's chances against Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Those are the three they really, really need to win on the road. They take care of those three, they eliminate the bad losses you know that's good damage control there again you're looking at an NCAA tournament team they do that but if they lose one of those for any reason that's when you're looking at the two and seven on the road in the league or at least the potential of it that's when you're really going to need to beat someone like Arkansas at home you're going to have to beat Alabama at home just somebody to give you a big home win so uh long story short right now they're fine but you've still got to pay attention to it and you got to know the key games and, and getting a win against any top 25 team would do them well and making sure they don't mess up at Ole Miss on Tuesday of next week, that's an important uh, stepping stone as well.
5: Okay. All right. So here's what I'm looking at uh, from team rankings. They have come up with a roster of, of Auburn's toughest remaining games according to team rankings. And always the easiest remaining games. You let me know, guys, uh, if you agree or disagree sure. with uh, their projections. Their toughest remaining games are in this order, uh, and they get uh, and they they do in terms of percentage of winning. So the toughest remaining games are <clears throat> the best probability of winning is against Tennessee. The next uh, Alabama. I'm sorry. These are the least, uh, yeah, Tennessee, Alabama, least likely to win for Auburn. Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee at home even, Kentucky away, West Virginia away, Alabama at home, forty-four point eight percent chance, Arkansas forty-eight point six, Texas A&M away fifty-four point nine, Mississippi away fifty-six point five, and LSU 578 percent chance. Those are our toughest remaining games for team rankings. Our easiest. South Carolina away, 87.5%. Yep. And we blew this one, Georgia.
1: Georgia was the second? Yep. Yikes. Uh,
5: yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Georgia at home, 85.5%. Oh, oh gotcha. Okay.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I, they do Mississippi at
5: home. Texas A&M at home. Mississippi State at home. <coughs> Missouri at home. <coughs> excuse me. Vanderbilt away. LSU's probably away. Mississippi away. and Texas A&M away would you agree with that would you change anything?
2: I think that yep. Missouri's game is going to be a, a lot tougher than a lot of people expect that Missouri team is good Defe- I, yeah they're good they are they had Arkansas on the ropes in in Bud Walton arena um, obviously they let their foot off the gas and Arkansas was able to come back and win that game uh, the other day but that Missouri team is is tough and Kobe Brown is playing out of his mind.
5: I was kind of surprised. I was when to see your take, guys. Uh, that they have uh, us pretty much, um, you know, toss up forty eight point six percent chance of winning uh, Arkansas Saturday.
1: Yeah, and that and They're that's due the venue. I mean, I I do think it's uh, it's tough to tell because right now we're still in the early part of conference play, and so we're trying to figure out if Auburn is just a team that sucks on the road but is great at home. Or if their team's just not quite that good, you know, and, and I think we're at the stage where right now Auburn's still done some some good stuff at home. They've not gotten to have big tests for the most part at home, though. And But what we are starting to figure out, Auburn is not good on the road. So you know, where, whether that falls into Auburn's just not very good overall or Auburn's a good home team, bad road team, which can be the case for a lot of teams. It's still kind of too early to tell on that. If they were playing in Bud Walton Arena, obviously Arkansas would be heavily favored. But even as you heard, you know, forty, you said 48% or 46% for the, for the chances of Auburn beating Arkansas. I think you also said uh, they gave uh, Auburn like a 44% chance against Alabama at home. And, again, Al- Alabama is a, a top-ten team, a team that Auburn would probably not have a very good chance of winning on the road. But at home, again, with the home court advantage – uh, it, it makes it tough to call uh, because Auburn, right now, we're not operating on the assumption Auburn's a bad team. We're just operating on the assumption that they're uh, they're decent, they're solid, they're pretty good at home, pretty bad on the road.
5: Yeah. Well, you know, we have several guys uh, who are going to play tonight for us that are from Arkansas. Uh, I, I love this quote from uh, Mr. Flanagan. He said, for me, it's personal. talk talking about tomorrow night's game. He said, just being from Little Rock and them offering another kid over me, so I never got the offer from my home state, even though I was the number one player in the state. I didn't know he – did you know he was the number one player at the time? I,
1: I wouldn't have guessed that. I, I I thought he was a three-star guy, which, I mean, obviously if there's not a four-star guy in Arkansas, so he could be the, the top player in the state. But uh, uh, I, I just knew he was a pretty high three-star, uh, and I didn't know he was from Arkansas because of the connection with his dad, uh, who was at Little Rock at one point, in West Flanagan. So – I did know those things. I did not know he was the top player in that state, though.
5: And this, and this is what my, my question is, guys. I can't keep wondering. I asked my son, you know, well, you know, it just happens Ed. you know, these are seasoned players that Allen has not been playing up to his potential.
2: No, he hasn't. He, he's, he's been and, in and a slump.
5: I, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. You know, why not?
2: He's been in a slump. He's just been – he's just kind of been playing a little bit out of his game, been a little bit been inefficient, but – uh, that UGA game was a was a good little get right game for him that was 11 points shooting 50 percent from the field um that, that was good good for him to uh at least you know put some points in double digit points so hopefully that kind of will help him to uh, help propel him to continue that we, we need those 10 11 12 to 15 points from Alan Flanagan every game you need that
5: right and some guy so one of the players who who is also also is playing better Chris Moore
1: right i have really liked chris moore's effort love what chris moore's been bringing he gets very pumped up uh he's actually been a pretty dang good shooter when he's been wide open uh you know not someone to really create his own jump shot but uh again he shouldn't have to and i talked a little bit about this yesterday is some of these guys in a vacuum are kind of doing what you need them to do as cam was alluding to if i get 11 points off alan flanagan off the bench i'm usually gonna be fine with that if i get seven points three or four rebounds on a 40-50% shooting from Chris Moore. I'm usually going to be fine with that. But the lack of a go-to score, a lack of one to two guys, and I guess Jani Broom's starting to take on uh, that mentality, but at least one more guard that is scoring 15 points a night or something around the sorts for you, that's what's lacking on this team. So that's what's causing the scrutiny kind of all the way down the line where it's like yeah you like Alan and scoring 11 points but you also remember the scenario a couple of years ago where he was scoring 16 points a game right. and you like to have guys like Jalen Williams who even though he had a bad game the other night he had uh, eight rebounds and a four or five assists to go with it you like that part of it but then you know that the scoring is not there for the team so it's like well you can't have the two-point games even with the other impact stuff so uh, the, the reality is is Auburn just does not have the one or two guys that they need to just go get buckets when they need buckets and to be the, the clear leading scorers. And so that's putting a stress really on all the other guys and their play is getting maybe over scrutinized because no one has been able to step up into that great scoring role.
5: And this can't be a surprise to the coaching staff. Right? I mean, because I'm reading from Chris Moore, another quote from him, he says, uh, we put in countless hours, This these are his words, in the gym shooting shots and everything i said so what happens when game time comes around what happens those countless hours of, of shooting
1: yeah i mean look i mean look, <laughs> just some teams just don't ever end yeah, up shooting well shoot and some guys uh some guys just don't don't do that and look auburn's not the only team that works hard i mean i know that we hear the stories about auburn and and certainly they're they're giving it their best effort there but there's other teams that suck at shooting threes. We're talking about Auburn and Arkansas this weekend. I'm I not talking
5: about shooting. Well, Ron. I'm just tra- forget the well I know, I, mean, I know, and that's exactly rim shots. I mean, like uh, Brooks said earlier, and I saw it. We had four or five uh, people trying to make a darn shot underneath the basket, and it wouldn't go in.
1: Right, and something sometimes freak things like that happen. I'm just saying that every team, <laughs> every team works their butt off to try and make more shots. And I was just going to use the example of uh auburn playing arkansas if we talk perimeter shooting arkansas can't shoot from three either absolutely not arkansas is 29.9 percent from three auburn's 28.9 so they're very similarly bad uh from the three-point line uh arkansas finds some offense in some other ways that auburn's not been able to uh they've had a little better drive game and that sort of thing but you know, the, I mean, and not every team, every team works hard. I, I assure you that. It's just some guys just don't make them. It's just that simple. Some guys just can't make them.
5: Well, then by now, I would have thought that the coaching staff, and I haven't coached, you know, ever in my life, and, and I love Bruce Pearl, but has he recognized, okay, we may need to maybe change our starters and rotations here and who goes on the bench? Because, you know, Wendell, I love him, but he, he's been, you know, lacking. Um KD, uh, he's fallen off the earth. Well,
1: what's happened to him? Yeah, KD's been playing rough as of late for sure. Uh, he seems the most hesitant I've ever seen him. Agreed. Um, there have been some games here as of late where Auburn has not shot as many threes. They had a twelve. Po- uh, they have a game against Georgia State where they only took 12 threes. Uh, the game against Florida, I believe they only took 14 threes. That's a completely fair number even for a bad team to shoot when you're shooting right. 60, 65 shots from the field. And, and only- Jalen
5: Williams? He's
1: been making threes, but not anymore. Uh, well, yeah, last couple games he hasn't, and those are kind of also the ebbs and flows of basketball where even a 37%, 38% shooter is going to have a couple games where they go 1 of 5 or 2 of 6, something right. something like that, or even 0 of 4 or something like that. And then they'll come back a few days later, and they'll have a 4 out of 5. Yeah, that's and, just and so basketball. That, you know, I, I, overall, Jalen's done better than some of these other guys from 3, but uh, it, again, that's where it goes falls under the category of everyone gets scrutinized because nobody has been able to be the consistent guy
5: and i don't even know what to expect tomorrow night guys of course i'm gonna be pulling for it but uh, i haven't even seen the line. have you seen a line yet uh
1: i have it, it uh would you like to guess it steve or just want to hear it
5: okay i'm gonna guess it uh we're an underdog by probably by six points i
1: i believe that's what i saw i saw six points is that what you guys saw uh, give me a
2: sec give me a sec give me a sec
1: I saw it somewhere uh, other yeah, than I, I hadn't don't seen see one. It. So, okay. Uh, I had I was somewhere other than ESP and I saw it. Uh I, I saw it, but uh
4: I would say like if I if you just told me to make a guess on what I thought the line was gonna be, I would have said five points, five, six points Arkansas away. Let okay. me let me oh. find the
1: side I saw it on, Steve, because I did see it earlier. Uh it's actually uh it's just three and a half. I'm sorry. Uh I, I, is? Get, yeah, I guess I guess I double it, yeah, Arkansas favored <laughs> by three and a half. Yep. Yeah. And that's uh Hang on. No, Um, that's not right either. Hang on. I will find this No, that's not right. Okay.
5: Because if it's that low, then that tells me that Vegas must be wanting people to bet on Arkansas.
1: Yeah, I'm just not finding this. I I won't... uh, I can't say where I saw it.
5: Okay. all right. Well, I want to keep going. So, uh, about the uh, next championship game, guys, do you... um, I haven't read the explanation as to why they're not allowing... um, any tailgating in a parking lot.
1: Because <laughs> they're like, not yeah, fun. Yeah, it's L.A. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why either.
5: So no explanation has been given?
1: Nah. No. Not a good one, no.
5: Okay, I've heard your comments about uh, the high-scoring mm-hmm. stuff and everything, so not so fast, my friends, because I'm sitting here looking in my uh, man cave here at a framed Sports Illustrated uh, for the 2010 National Championship game, and it says Auburn 42.7 points and 497.7 yards per game. That's from the cover. It says count on a, hold on, shootout for the national title between the Tigers and Oregon. And what was the final, guys? 22-19. Yep. So it doesn't necessarily mean this is going to be a shootout sure. or it's going to be a high-scoring game by either team. Because uh, you know, I really thought this was going to be a high-scoring game between Oregon and Oregon. And, uh, and our team, and it, I it did be too. A of battle.
1: It could be. Look, I mean, if we if we knew for a fact, we'd make a lot of money off of it, and uh, we'd all be very happy. But uh, that's just our best our best guesses on uh, what will happen. And uh, I know Georgia, like I said, has played some low scoring games, but seven of fourteen games this year, they've scored forty or more points. So uh, I think it will require at least a decent amount of points. And you also got to remember, even though. There was no denying how great Cam Newton in the 2010 Auburn offense was and, and that sort of thing. Uh, college football has become even more offensive yeah, since then. That. So, uh, look, yeah. it, we might be wrong. It might be 24-20, something like that, and that would be great. Close game would be awesome. Uh, but just my gut feeling says a little more uh, a little more action than that.
5: Who, Who's your best quarterback in this game?
1: Max Duggan, but yeah. not by much. Uh, not See, by as much. I say as,
5: Max Duggan by, by considerably more because – uh, the reason I say that Max Decca doesn't have the talent around him that Bennett has to rely on
1: I mean, I mean he has a first round draft pick at yeah, wide receiver yeah their, their wide receiver is is awesome um you know I, I say in general yes george's got some more but I mean it's I mean, not it's stars- not
5: does a, does a it's not always else? about
1: five stars, though, Steve. It's about how those guys are, are playing on that team. Some They're of those five stars could be on the bench. Some of those five stars are on defense. So right. it's not all about. But if you
5: have more of those five stars guys than your team does, you eventually can have talent. Sure. Yeah. But Georgia, if you're coached Alabama, right,
2: yeah. The the defensive player of the game for Georgia was a three star. That DB Bullard okay, was a the, three those star. Anomalies. I think were an anomalies. I mean, I think it's just they, development. they absolutely yeah. still happen, those. Yeah, it, it still happens. I think it just is development and how you use the players that that are on the roster, like Ryan said.
1: If, if Steve, if it was all about stars, TCU would have never gotten here in the first Agreed. place.
5: No, no, I agree. But this guy, and we'll talk about it next week because uh, I do want to let you know what he found out. He's done these deep analytics. Um, he says if you don't have a top ten recruiting, um, with uh, every four years within a four-year span of time and averaging top 10 you better have he said an nfl quarterback on your team he says max duggan is one of those because he said the tcu is an anomaly they don't fit uh all the analytics uh that have them in this, in this game and he said uh because they have max duggan
1: right and i mean duggan is awesome i i don't Love his NFL chances. He's a smaller guy, and uh, he makes a lot of running plays that aren't necessarily conducive to the league, not even just like the fast athletic players. I'm just saying the gritty, like kind of break a tackle. Not purely an awesome runner, but just a gritty runner. Uh, All right. Okay, now, uh,
5: I I love you guys. Let me remind you, I'm a little bit older than you guys. There was a uh, quarterback by the name of Fran Tarkenton, who was a midget compared to most NFL quarterbacks, and – Fran did a pretty decent job as a quarterback in the NFL.
1: Sure. That's also a very long time ago. And I'm just saying the, the facts are Max Duggan is not a highly rated quarterback prospect. But, I mean, that's, that's okay. what it is.
5: I, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I just hope it's a competitive game. Uh, I hope it's not a blowout by Georgia. Yeah, me too.
1: Sure. I think everyone would be uh, – after the, the playoff games we had this past weekend, both being very close, uh, I think it would be very disappointing to have a blowout in the championship game.
5: And real quickly, uh, we got blown out. Our women's basketball team last night, unfortunately, by South Carolina, didn't we? Very much
1: yeah. so. Yeah. Very much so. 90-something to 40-something. I don't remember yeah. the exact score. Uh, yet. No, no, no.
5: That was brutal. Uh, but we have our gymnastics team is going to Las Vegas, uh, competing, uh, Saturday, right?
1: Correct. Correct. A, a bunch of high-profile team teams. Eight o'clock. Uh, sure. So, yep. Uh, a bunch of pro- uh, high-profile teams, like I said.
5: Right. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how we do there. So, guys, uh, I know one of you guys is going to the game tomorrow, right?
1: Uh, that will be me, Steve. But then Cam will also be going. He'll be taking pictures and stuff on the floor.
5: Okay. Uh, I take it as a sell out, right?
1: Uh, I, w- I would. I would assume. assume so. uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that for a fact, but.
5: Okay, and then you're going. Uh, Tampa, your home team, uh, uh, this Sunday.
1: Uh, and one of us will be going to the Bucks game this weekend. However, it is not me because it <laughs> is in Atlanta. So Cam will be at yeah, that I'll game be there. with his dad.
5: Oh, my. Okay. Well, uh, I think – is Atlanta favored?
2: No, probably not. I don't think so. <laughs>
1: um, I'll have to double-check. Uh, the The big issue there is how much does Tampa play their starters, which yeah. might affect the line there. Um, Atlanta is favored. They're oh. favored by four. I thought
5: they oh. so. were like three and a half points. I yep. said, uh-oh, there's something uh, fishy here.
2: I, I mean, this game doesn't really mean anything for Tampa Bay. They've already locked up the division and their playoff spot, so – they can't. They can't uh, yeah. move yeah, one way or the other. Yeah. So, but. and for Atlanta, they're just trying to evaluate Desmond Ritter and, and see, um, you know, see if he's going to be the quarterback of the future. That's really all Atlanta's playing for, uh, is to see if if how well Desmond Ritter performs, and if we can get one more win. If we lose, we get the sixth spot. If we win, we get as uh, as high as the ninth spot. So, you know, just playing for pride at this point, and and that's
5: pretty much it. Okay, so we'll see Brady maybe for one quarter.
1: Yeah, it, it, I think it'll depend how he plays. I think the worse he plays early, the more he might play. If he can lead a couple right. scoring drives, he might he might cool it off. Yep.
5: All right. Well, uh, let's see if the, the Vegas people are trying to sucker people on the <laughs> on Atlanta. Because hmm. uh, when I do see those kind of you know kind of lines, I'm wondering, wait a minute, how's this team you know getting points? Where they should be the ones who are favored instead of getting points, something usually um, goes awry. I'll, I'll say that because I've been I've been suckered in the past, guys. Where they say, "See, wow, this line looks too yard good," so "I'm taking this team," yeah. and it didn't work out. So, but I hope you have a enjoyable time at the game, uh, Cam. And uh, who knows? Maybe uh, they know something that we don't know, and you know, uh, Atlanta pulls it out
2: yeah i mean i'd like to see i'd like to see a win i i always hopefully brady plays i'd like to see brady lose in person that'd be (laughs) nice for me um other than that you know other than that i'm just i'm just going to enjoy a a game with my dad haven't been to a game with him since he and i used to go to the georgia dome all the time so uh and so since i've been you know in school out of school living here in auburn so uh this this will be kind of a a good little nostalgic thing for he and I to go and enjoy for old time's sake.
5: Well, that's even better. So that's going to be more important. I'd say, uh, not so much the outcome of the game, but rather, uh, some good times, uh, memories, hopefully, uh, with you and your dad. Oh yeah. All right guys, I'm through rambling. So, uh, we'll see, uh, if, uh, my Maylocks uh, will, uh, put me through the pedal baseball for tomorrow night's game. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope to gosh, I hope to gosh, uh, I don't have to hit both of them at the same time. So until uh, Monday, guys, have a relaxing evening, a fun time with your dad, Cam, uh, and uh, I'll talk to you Monday, guys. War Eagle. Thank
2: War you, Steve. War Eagle.
1: That is uh, Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to hit a quick bl- quick break. Easy for me words to are say. Hard. Yeah, words are hard, and that's what I do for a living. So, look, hey, I mess up too sometimes. Players miss shots you think they should make, and <laughs> I can't say words I should be able to say. It all happens sometimes. We'll be right back.
0: May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
1: Welcome back. About halfway through this Friday edition of Sports Call. Again, reminder, coming up in uh, about an hour or so over on FM Talk 93.9, our first Smith Station basketball broadcast of the year. Excited for that. Brent Daughtry, who are you hear on this fine program from time to time. The voice of Smith Station. Indeed. Taking over from Mr. Bill Bailey. So he will be on the call of that one. Brent does a great job, but we miss you, Bill. We do miss Bill. And uh, all of his Wisconsin humor.
4: Maybe we should outsource the we Nightly can't. TV Guide to Bill every night. See if he'll. I don't someone. like to
1: be roasted on a daily basis. <laughs> JJ could take it. I can't. You can, ro- <laughs> you can roast me every now and then, not every day. Uh, or oh at least not gosh. every day Bill is on the show. Uh, and, uh, and, again, Beauregard basketball returning to our airwaves next Tuesday right here on Tiger 95.9. All right. As promised, we have a little game to play today. We've got some headlines in the world of sports. So let's talk a little bit about them.
0: Did you see the latest headlines from the wide world of sports? Well, here are the guys to tell you if it's worth losing sleep over. It's time for sports calls. Big deal, little deal, or no big deal.
1: Big deal, little deal, or no big deal here on this fun Friday. And uh, one man and one program not in as much fun. Big deal, little deal, or no big deal. The now NCAA allegations on Jim Harbaugh. Uh, level one allegation for him not cooperating with the investigation some level two uh, level two allegations for uh, contact that was impermissible during uh, the COVID break Uh, what do you guys make of this?
4: Um I would say it's a big deal uh, because you're you're looking at it and incidentally violations are a big deal no matter what Uh, you know Auburn specifically knows about NCAA violations when it comes to a head coach, i.e., basketball, where things can just drag on, drag on, drag on. That's the reason I think it's a big deal. Is because this, even if you, you know, we find out what the allegations are, this could be hanging over Michigan's head for years before something's actually done and when something's actually done it may not be a big deal they may be like oh hey maybe
1: it's slap on the wrist and jim, it probably will be i'm
4: gonna say jim you can't talk to a recruit via twitter for three months and it's like <laughs> all right cool whatever
1: didn't tweet anyway uh
4: yeah and and so it, it could be right now i think it's a big deal because it is now a cloud that's hanging over there plus it you know, if it's if it's something you know, if, if you know, Arbaugh already rumors are out there swirling mm-hmm. that he has talked to the Panthers and could be talking to the the Broncos, could be talking to a number of teams, Colts, um, and there were already rumors out there that about him to the NFL last year. If he sees, you know, I've gotten Michigan to the, the peak of the Big Ten where I've won the Big Ten title and I've beaten Ohio State and I, and you you look over the horizon and you see you know, you're like, can I get them to a national title? And you see uh, a Georgia and Alabama standing in your way slash, you know, this year you had a TCU that came out stood was standing in your way uh, that you didn't, you know, Michigan was favored in the football game, but TCU came out and won. If you don't think that you're like, I've gotten Michigan to where I can get them in this landscape of college football. If he's like, well, I'm already going to get violations, might as well hit the road back to the NFL because yeah. I can, I've won in the NFL before. And if I go to a place that's got a good quarterback, I can win in the NFL again. And so I, I think from a from a violation standpoint, um, just be, the fact that Michigan has to sit there and wait for the violations, that's a big deal. And the fact that this could push Jim Harbaugh back to the NFL, which could then also, who knows what's what would happen to Michigan, because we, we've seen what Michigan was before Jim Harbaugh. Not great. Yeah. Um, it, it could spell disaster for, for Michigan coming down the road if Harbaugh leaves and goes back to the NFL. So big deal.
2: Yeah, I agree with Brooks. That's what I was gonna say about the NFL part of it. Um, that this these violations when they come out and how that goes, that could be the deciding factor that decide you know, helps him decide, hey, maybe I should just go ahead and go back to the NFL and, and get back to coaching professionals. Um we've seen the rumors, like Brooks said, about him talking to the Panthers and the and you know, maybe the Broncos, maybe the Colts um, but the Panthers has definitely been rumored out there. Um, and yeah, I, I I think that is a big deal because, again, ultimately, that could be what pushes him to the uh, to these violations could be what pushes him to the NFL. and uh, sorry, Michigan, but you know, i'm I'm just gonna do what's best for me. So, yeah,
1: i'm gonna be I'm gonna try and be slick here. and I'm gonna say it's all three. <laughs> all right. I, <laughs> I is this you. cheating? I, I guess. Well, uh, I guess yeah, as the host, yeah. I'd make my own rules. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you have the so power. it is no big deal for Michigan's football programs and, and the, the penalties they might get. I right. do not think they will get any bowl ban. I do not think they will lose significant scholarships. They might lose <laughs> three for a year at worst. But in reality, they're probably looking more so at just um, maybe a little probation, and looking at reduced contact time, that sort of thing. They're yeah. not looking at any big financial or uh, any any type of big deal here. So that's no big deal. It's a little deal. Now, you know what? I'm going to skip the little deal and go to big deal first. It's a big deal because I think Jim Harbaugh is going to end up leaving, in part because of this. And I think it's a big deal for Jim Harbaugh, and I think it's a big deal for uh, just, just – what he's looking at NFL-wise, we've heard the Panthers have talked to him. There's a bunch of uh, just connections out to his NFL time. And, look, ultimately, I if you if you ro- wind the clock back when he was with the 49ers, if the 49ers never fire him, I don't think he ends up in Michigan. I think it's deep down, even though he's at maybe the best school for him in college football, it is his alma mater, I still think he prefers to be an NFL guy over a college guy. Yeah. So that's why it's a big deal because these allegations might give him the room or the desire or the need to get out of there, get out of some hot water, go to the NFL. You know the interest is there. It's a little deal for Michigan's football program as a whole because if you lose Jim Harbaugh, look, you are Michigan. You have access to a lot of great coaching candidates. uh, But if Jim Harbaugh leaves here in the middle of January – After the carousel has already turned, Michigan's going to have to be very creative of what they do next. They might even have to sink to just an interim for a year and wait for the next cycle to open early. So it is a little deal because this is a top 10 college football program and uh, this could affect the, who their head coach is, a head coach that's gotten them the college football playoffs two straight two straight years. So I'm taking all of them. No big deal. They're not going to get big uh, penalties from the NCAA. Little deal, they might be on the uh, look for a new head football coach. And big deal because Jim Harbaugh, who's done a great job at Michigan these last couple of years, did a really good job with the San Francisco 49ers, could be returning back to the NFL. All right, another one for you. Only have time for one more before the break, and we might do a couple in our number three as well. Yesterday's Auburn News, former Western Kentucky offensive tackle Gunner Britton commits to the Tigers another transfer portal offensive lineman. I believe that's four tackles Auburn's got in the fold in totality so far in this recruiting cycle since Hugh Freeze has come on the plains. Britton was the number five offensive tackle according to the 247 transfer portal rankings. He was second team all-conference USA last year. Big deal, little deal, or no big deal that Auburn gets Western Kentucky offensive tackle Gunner Britton. uh, And also just kind of add on to big deal, little deal, no big deal that Auburn has now four uh, tackles committed already.
2: Big deal. Very big deal. I mean, that was – I think we all agree that this was the absolute position. I mean, just – Offensive line as a whole was a position of need, that a unit of need for Auburn um, to protect whoever the quarterback ends up being uh, this upcoming season. And uh, four in the transfer portal, seven in total coming in, uh, offensive linemen coming in uh, for this 2023 season, that's big time. That's I, I think Hugh Freeze knew that this was a huge point of emphasis, a huge point of need, and he's come in and he has addressed it um and is probably going to uh, continue addressing it um I think yeah I mean I think that's a big deal I think he's continuing to be successful in his recruiting and uh he's getting guys on board and guys that were impactful I mean a second team um all conference USA tackle like that's that's a big deal I know it's not obviously a power five but that's still that means he was good at his position in the in that conference and I'll take that um, if if he can up his level of play, and he's got one more year of eligibility, he said he um, he likes the family environment that Auburn is. He said he you know he he'll be able to be a part of Auburn football for the rest of his life, um, and that's very true. And especially if he comes in and is a starter, is successful. Uh, this is a guy that's been um, I mean been in college for quite a few years. I, he's a senior, right? And yeah, so, I'll,
1: only have one year of eligibility. Yeah,
2: so I, I'll I'll take it. A guy with experience. Um, I I love to see it, and I think that's a a huge deal.
4: I think it's a, I think yeah, I think it's a big deal because it is um a position that Auburn has, and specifically Auburn fans have complained about for at least the last five years is the offensive line, um, and. It's it it continues to build. It continues to build up. What Hugh Freeze has done is come in here and really attacked that position of need. And it it's a guy that's got experience. It's a guy that has played Division One football. Um, and it it's uh, it's a guy that can come in and compete for a, a starting job day one. The thing though is, you still got to get a quarterback that's you can protect. If if it's you know if Fair it's gonna enough. be Robbie Ashford, fine. But you know. It's still – I th- everybody thinks it's kind of – it still kind of thinks they're looking for another quarterback. So, it's a good – it is a big deal because it's been a position to need for the past few years.
1: Yeah, I agree. Big deal. Got to get a lot of guys in. Got to get some quality guys in. All-conference selection. Seems like a quality guy. A lot of experience. I think everyone can agree Auburn has needed a lot more on the offensive line here in recent years. Out of time for our number two. We'll try and do a couple more big deal, little deal, or no big deals in hour three as well as also talk about uh, auburn basketball getting set for arkansas and the weekend in college basketball you're listening to the friday edition of sports call we'll be right back
0: two hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally, or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Third and final hour of Sports Call today and the final hour of the week. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, Brooks Shoulders with you here. On this now Friday evening, again, reminder, coming up in a few minutes, Smith Station High School Basketball over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. At that time, we will uh, say goodbye to Cam Barry as he will be helping out with that one. See ya. Uh, so uh, one more segment with Cam here, and uh, Brooks and I will take you the rest of the way, which won't be too long after that. Uh, we were doing a little game before. Uh, We ran out of time in hour number two. We'll do one or two more just to remind you what we had
0: going on. Did you see the latest headlines from the wide world of sports? Well, here are the guys to tell you if it's worth losing sleep over. It's time for Sports Calls Big Deal, Little Deal, or No Big Deal.
1: Big Deal, Little Deal, or No Big Deal. And, of course, if you missed our first couple, we were talking about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. We were also talking about the new member of the Auburn Tigers, offensive lineman transferring from – Uh, Western Kentucky. If you missed that, go check it out on the Sports Call podcast, and it's brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. I had a nice cherry Coke at lunch today. I know you were all wondering.
4: I've got a cherry Coke in my cup right now. And
1: you've got a cherry Coke in your cup right now. So we're uh, we're doing great stuff. Kim, Uh, did
4: you have a cherry Coke today? I did not
2: have a cherry Coke. I've been drinking Mountain Dew and water. Sorry, guys.
1: Let's just talk about the water <laughs> part of that, yeah. uh, if you will. Was uh, it, uh,
4: water! Was it Dasani? Say yes. Tap water. Oh! oh <laughs> I was about to
1: say, we could save it with a nice Coke-branded Dasani. Uh, but uh, very uh, excited to be partnering with Coke there on the Sports Call podcast. And again, those uh, two we did on the other side of the break, we're talking about Jim Harbaugh, uh, and if it was a big deal a little or no big deal about the allegations with him, <laughs> potential level one violation for him and level two violations for Michigan. And then we also had... Uh, a big deal, a little or no big deal on Auburn's latest transfer portal get, and uh, I want to go on to this kind of news segment now. Uh, this is one that I think we will have difference of opinions on, and that's what we are yearning for after being in, in vast agreement there in the first two. And I mentioned this a little bit during the show yesterday, but we'll use the different slant of it. So the NCAA uh, rules committee got together and did stuff, and and basically. Uh, uh, just, just kind of gave uh, suggestions to the NCAA of how some things need to be reworked or how uh, tournaments need to run and that sort of thing. And they came to the conclusion that their suggestion to the NCAA was that all NCAA sanctioned championships need to have roughly a quarter of its members participating in the year-end tournament. Well, what does all that mean? That means that they are suggesting that the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament have roughly a fourth of its uh, participating teams. So that would mean around 90 teams making the NCAA tournament. Of course, currently right now we're at 68. We were at 64, I guess 65 a couple years ago when we just had the 16-16 play in about a decade ago. Then we had this first four, and we've had 68 here uh, for the last again 9 or 10 years. So they want about 90. So if we had an NCAA tournament uh, that was 90 teams, would it be a big deal, little deal or no big deal for you
2: personally to see a 90 team NCAA tournament? A big deal? Because I mean, because it's more basketball, right? But that's the many teams. I ain't gonna lie. That's a lot. So
1: you say no big deal on that. I mean, or I just th- little deal. I
2: mean, I think it's a I mean, I think it's a big deal because I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I just think it's a lot. Like I'm thinking about 90 teams yeah. playing basketball. That's a lot of teams. It's just up 22 from what we have now. It's, yeah, it's just, but I mean, even still, right? We have 68 teams, and I mean, even those games are wired like you know, wire to wire in those days where mm. we start the. They game. have a good format, right? Yeah, they certainly right. do. And, you know, it's still like, games, beginning of early in the day, all the way to the evening, and. You still get a bunch of basketball to watch. I mean, this will be extra basketball, so I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, I will have to say it's, it's a big deal. I think I think that at that point, because I think that would be oversaturation, uh, personally. And I love basketball as, as much as the next person. I maybe more than the next person. I love basketball a lot. You know that, Ryan? I do. Um, I I think that would be too much because, you know. You won't be able to watch all the games. You can't watch all the games. I, I don't think it's humanly possible to watch all the games um, until you get, you know, to a certain format where, you know, they're doing every other night and different things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it would be a big deal because I think it would be over saturation. I think it's just a money grab. Right. I think we can understand that. Um, cool. More teams get to make the tournament, you know, but then I think that 68 team format moving it to 90 makes making the tournament less special for a lot of teams right a lot of teams are fighting for that conference championship to make the tournament you know i i and obviously like the bigger power five programs i think that would really just benefit them more just the power five programs get in more more of those uh than it would be for the smaller teams uh or smaller conferences that are that are fighting for that playoff uh for that for that birth in the tournament so i think that's why it's a big deal
1: I can go before you unless you want to... You're still deciding. I'm very... I I, I know what I'm going to say.
4: I think, Ryan, you should go before me.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um, So I look at this two ways. I think it is a big deal. Again, I'm being just sly. I'm just making my own rules. It's both a big deal and no big deal to me. It's a big deal that you're wanting to expand, in my estimation, the most exciting... Postseason format in sports in sports I think more people that don't give a damn about the sport at least pay attention to the NCAA tournament than other sports maybe maybe not the Super Bowl but I'm saying the the tournament as a whole because if you don't give a damn about football you're not watching wild card weekend now most people do love football so <laughs> a lot of people will watch it but right. I'm just saying like for people that don't care about football, they don't pick up the NFL playoffs until the Super Bowl. Oh, my God, Taylor Swift's performing. Let me watch the halftime show. Oh, the commercials are always funny. There's something for everyone. There's a reason for everyone to watch the Super Bowl. That's right. when everyone picks it up. But they're not picking up unless they're a football fan before then. I could go down the line. Baseball, I don't know if really an extra amount of people watch the World Series, but I know they're not watching the, the earlier rounds of the playoffs. Same thing with the NBA playoffs. Play in. that's great. They're also like two months away from deciding the champion. No one's picking up other than NBA fans at that point. But in college basketball, there are random people that will pick brackets. They will fill out their brackets based off of mascots because they've never even watched these teams play. But I'll be damned. Everyone at my office is filling out a bracket. I'm going to fill out a bracket. I'm going to try to get the prize. What's this, Anteater? I'm going to pick (laughs) them because Anteaters are hilarious. Cal Irvine's not winning the tournament all these basketball people
4: know that, but you're picking the anteaters. And but, but listen, Deborah, when she picked the UMBC because they were the good boys a few years ago, uh-huh. she got she got the last laugh.
1: There you go. Good. And so the thing is, Sally or whoever, Bob that doesn't watch basketball, they're going to fill out brackets. It brings a lot of people involved to the sport even if they don't follow it and so it's a big deal if you're going to alter the format that is already really perfected in terms of chaos in terms of deciding a champion in terms of everyone feeling like they got a shot at it i then pivot to it's no deal for me because i don't want to see it bigger i think it's already perfect i think it's the least flawed or at least one of the least flawed formats out there you've got teams from small conferences having an opportunity You have teams that don't have to win their conference that have an opportunity. You have an opportunity, if you had injuries early in the season, to get better and then get hot late. The best team still wins a lot of the time. Sometimes the best team doesn't win. I think the best teams won a lot lately. But sometimes you've had some really weird outcomes to get there, and that's fun too. You get a little bit of everything. I don't want to see that altered. So it's a big deal if you're going to change it. But for me, please don't. No deal for me. No big deal for me. Keep the status quo. You've already got sixty-eight. You've already got participation from all cor- corners of the NCAA. Yep, needs to stay right there.
4: Agreed. Big deal, because I would be. I listen. I, I don't. If I, if you said, Brooks, you get to decide. I wouldn't change it, right? But if you take out of my hands and you say, we are changing it. We are going, you know, we are expanding it to what they, what they suggested, which is a quarter of the teams. I'm both, I'd be like, all right, let's do it, man. I'm here for it. I'm watching all those. I'm going to watch as many games as possible. I think it's fun. You, you know, I think one of the biggest arguments is, oh, well that's, you know, more, you know, more strain on the athletes. Well, yes and no. Already, you're coming out of high school and you're playing, like basketball players, you're playing basketball year round now, basically. You've got your high school days and then you're going to play in AAU basketball, which is in the summer. You're playing, the only sport that it really affects is football because right. it is so, such was about a violent to say, you're sport. You're adding
1: one to 35 or 36. I just, I don't think that would be a big deal for people so the, the
4: the The football one is the only one that it would be a big deal because right. it's such a physically taxing sport on your body. Right. That's the only one that it would affect. Everybody else, you're already playing that sport basically year-round. Yeah, and, and AAU
1: even, even when you're with, in high school, yeah.
4: Um, say even with football, over the summer, you're in seven-on-seven seven league. There's these seven-on-seven seven leagues out there that if you're an elite athlete, you're going and playing in the seven-on-seven seven leagues. Mm-hmm. But obviously that's not tackle, you know. That's not, you know, I'm going to hit you as hard as I can and uh, defensive linemen are out there squishing quarterbacks. It is it, – it's – more non-contact than regular football, but everybody else is playing their sport year-round. So, if you told me this is happening, I'm all for it. Big deal. Let's go. I'm I'm ready to watch UC Irvine and Hartford battle it out in the first game of the first round. They're the 90th seed and the 87th seed. They're trying to get into play like the 32nd seed. Give it to me. I'm here for it.
1: There you go. We we kind of had differing opinions there, and that's exactly what I wanted out of that one because. Big deal, little deal, or no big deal. It gives you three options. We don't always have to say the same option, even if we do agree sometimes. And that one was good, because I think we're all a little bit passionate about that, because, it, again, the NCAA tournament's awesome. It okay? is quite awesome. It is awesome. Uh, so this is big deal, little deal, or no big deal. We'll have one more here, and then we'll take our next time out of the show. This one will help us pivot into what will be the remainder of the show, which is talking the weekend in college basketball. Really didn't get time to get to the NFL even today. That's how busy we are Uh providing some good college content here but i want to quite simply just set it up from the auburn angle here big deal little deal or no big deal the magnitude of this game for auburn versus arkansas how important is this game big deal little deal or no big deal
2: i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go two two different ways here big deal because you want to defend your home court big deal because this is a top 15 team in arkansas um and you just had a tough loss going to uga and you want to be able to bounce back defend home court keep your winning streak at home alive um auburn i think has one of the longest in the ncaa of of not losing at home so you want to keep that going uh keep the environment up keep the morale up um through the fan base as well um little deal because this game will not decide your season um because obviously you lose It's understandable. Arkansas is a very talented team. They don't have a deep rotation. Uh, I think that might end up playing to Auburn's favor, potentially. Um, They have a lot. They have like seven guys that play a whole bunch of minutes. That's about it uh, because they had two guys that that are on the on the injured uh, that are injured currently. Um, So that's I, I, I this team has a lot of room to grow. We've seen how Auburn teams can potentially get better as the season goes on with Bruce and and how coaching matters um and improvements and adjustments matter and and we all can agree that bruce bruce pearl is a great head coach and he'll make the adjustments necessary to get this team in the in the best position to win at some point so this is a game this is a game to see how you how you stack up against the top of the sec at home at the very least um and that's why I don't think it's a huge deal, uh, but it is a test, and uh, it's a big deal because you want to be able to to defend your home court.
4: I think it is a – I think this game is a little deal because I don't think – this this game is not your season. I think that Auburn does need to show some improvement. They need to come out and play better, especially on their home court. They need to take advantage of their home court, like I said earlier – Uh, this is your only shot at Arkansas this year. You only get them once. You get them at home. you got to take advantage of it, Um, especially because they're a team that beat you on their home court last year and really uh, set off a a string of losses that the Tigers hadn't seen. Arkansas was the first team to beat Auburn last year, weren't they? Auburn was number one. Arkansas yes. upset them twice. They, they did. Yes. And so you're, you you get them back on your home court. They're number fifteen. You're twenty two. You get a chance to up you know upset them on your home court. You got to take advantage of it. Um, but because it's a little deal, this isn't your season. As long as you show some improvement from the Georgia game to this game, it's not you know if, if Auburn loses, you're not favored in this game. If Auburn loses this game. It's not that big of a deal. You can still, you know, you still got a ways to, you, long season to go. You've still got two and a half months of bass or, uh, you know, two months of basketball left uh, to play. So you've just got to show improvement tomorrow night in Neville Arena uh, against this Arkansas team.
1: I'm gonna get a little deal as well, uh, Brooks. Even though you went little deal, you almost convinced me into a big deal. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we're just talking about the ramifications from what last year's game meant and how. Uh, it was a very, it was kind of almost a toxic environment uh, in Arkansas. There was, oh my god, there was some vitriol there. Even Eric Musselman played into it a little yeah, bit. Did. I mean, it was it was chippy uh, in Fayetteville last year. So I almost went to big deal just because of that element, mm-hmm. trying to get some payback there. But we also got to remember. This is not the same Auburn team as last year, and Arkansas has a bunch of different guys on last year's team. So uh, it doesn't work exactly like that. But it, I agree it's a little deal, and we won't play this game again for I don't know how long, definitely not before uh, Tuesday's Ole Miss game. I would actually tell you Ole Miss is a bigger deal than this game, and here's why. Auburn can lose this game close, and their national perception will not change. Agreed. Okay? And if they won this game close, their national game perception Probably won't even change that much. It's a home victory against a good team. Great. Auburn's great at home. What can you do on the road? Well, what can you do on the road next Tuesday in Oxford? Because Ole Miss is bad. They are not good. They and South Carolina and maybe Vanderbilt are the three worst teams in the SEC. And so if Auburn goes to Oxford on Tuesday and loses – the perception of Auburn will start to change. Oh, yeah. They're not going to win like anything on the road. They're going to have to win all of their home games, and they're going to struggle to make the NCAA tournament if they're losing the teams like Ole Miss and Oxford next Tuesday. So that game, to me, is actually even a bigger deal because Auburn's aspirations, while they're still high – They're proving that they're not going to have the chops to be an SEC champion this year, or at least not in the regular season. Anyone get it hot in the tournament, maybe Auburn get hot throughout the year, but it doesn't look like Auburn's going to have that kind of ceiling. But what you want to make sure is Auburn does not have a floor that takes them on or out of the bubble of the NCAA tournament. And so to me, I actually think about it as this is a little deal. You want to get a top 25 win. Absolutely, you want to get some payback. But the big deal is actually Tuesday in Oxford because you cannot be losing the team's like Ole Miss. That is Sports Call's big deal, little deal, or no big deal. we got to say goodbye to Cam as he works on Smith Station Basketball. Cam, appreciate you being here, sir. Yeah, glad to be Hope here. Hope you have a great weekend and fun in Atlanta on Sunday.
2: Yes, sir. And I, yeah, I'll let you guys know about it. I'm, I'm excited. Absolutely.
1: And uh, Brooks and I will continue on here for another 30 minutes or so on the Friday edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back.
0: Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: This return almost feels a little Lincoln Parky to me.
4: Wrong uh, wrong microphone. Yeah, mind. Cam's not it, here anymore. Yeah. It does. It kinda feels um yeah, like transformation. Minutes to
1: Midnight almost and yeah. that album that what I've done and all that. I don't know. Just thinking out loud here, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childers here to take you the rest of the way on Sports Call. Just about 20 minutes or so left in the program today. We just finished up playing Big Deal, Little Deal, or No Big Deal. Again, if you missed that or any of our show. If you missed it, it's a big deal. If you missed it's a big deal, indeed. And so go check that out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola.
4: Or it's No Big Deal because you can go and listen to it on the podcast.
1: And that's why sometimes I play both sides of the aisle there and i and i cheat a little bit even though i try and hold everyone to you need to pick one and then i picked all three in the first one you want to find out why i picked all three in the first one go listen to the sports call podcast all right our last one which helps us segue into this was the importance of this auburn and arkansas basketball game set to take place in neville arena tomorrow night we've talked a little bit about this game in various ways I think some of the highlights are obviously that Auburn looking to rebound after a tough one in Athens. Is this team truly just a really good home team that can't play on the road, good at home, bad on the road? Or is this team concerning? Is this team maybe just not very good overall? It's a good defensive team, we feel, but the offense has obviously struggled, and we're going to find out more about it. It's a 7.30 tip in Neville Arena tomorrow night on the SEC Network. want to also go over some of these other – SEC games and, and big college basketball games on the weekend. So let's look at the SEC slate. And, Brooks, just tell me uh, a thing or two about these games and your thoughts. So Missouri is who Arkansas previously played. They had Arkansas on the ropes at Bud, Walk, Bud Walton Arena. They t- take on 8-6 and six Vanderbilt, uh, uh, the first SEC game of the day. Uh, and we're just not thinking much from Vanderbilt this year. And the, Jerry Stackhouse trying, uh, Tar Heel, but uh, Vanderbilt just pre- seems pretty stagnant down at the bottom of the SEC. Missouri, however, looking good to start the year.
4: Yeah, Missouri's kind of surprised this year. We didn't really expect Missouri to to make this big of a jump. We knew they were getting on the right track a little bit, but didn't expect them to, you know, make this big of a leap. And they were undefeated for quite a bit of time uh, coming into the, you know, early part of the season. 1-1 one one the SEC, 12-2 and two overall. They're a nine-point favorite. I, you know, I, I think Missouri probably handles this one fairly easily, but – you know Vanderbilt want to know in the SEC, and you know if if someone you know maybe maybe Vanderbilt pulls the upset, maybe maybe Vanderbilt's better than we think. Probably not, but um, <laughs> probably not.
1: Vanderbilt's win for the record is an overtime victory at home against South Carolina. So I don't know if there's a I'm easier win in the conference than home versus South Carolina, but.
4: It, it, but it, it just makes sense that a game featuring Vanderbilt and Missouri is 11 a.m.
1: Yep. In uh, any sport. Any except sport. for Honestly, even baseball, because Missouri's not particularly great at baseball. Nope. Vandy is awesome, but Missouri's usually one of the teams that struggles to make the NCAA tournament.
4: It also makes a lot of sense that, well, I was going to say this is the cheapest ticket in the SEC, but there's two games that are uh, cheaper to get into uh, than this one, because this one you can get in for 9 bucks up in uh, Columbia. But, mm. uh, you know, it's it's... I think Missouri should probably handle this game fairly easily.
1: You got a... I'm going to skip the most interesting one. Let's go on to a few more of the unranked matchups. 7-7 uh, seven and seven Florida host 11-3 and three Georgia. Uh, this is a matchup of teams Auburn has played yep. so far this year. And it's a very notable one for these fan bases as well. Florida... Uh, coming off the heels of a loss at home to Texas A&M, starting to think Florida's needs to be included in the bottom tier of the SEC, which, again, not, may not be good news for Auburn, against a Georgia team who's now 11-3. and But, of course, Mike White returning to Gainesville after being Florida's head coach for a number of years, going to NCAA tournaments but never being able to go deep into the NCAA tournament. You got Georgia coming in there with Mike White, so, Ford's going to be pretty fired up. I'm sure Florida's fans are going to be pretty fired up about this one.
4: I'm sure they will be, and Florida, you need a win. Like, uh, you were saying that you, you may have to start including them in the bottom half of the SEC. Um, they're 0-2. They've lost to Auburn on the road. Understandable. But then you get a home game against a uh, Texas A&M team who not the most impressive Texas a team we've middle seen. Another middle-of-the-pack uh, you know. And... You just you need a big what you what your, your Florida you need a big performance this weekend from Castleton. He he was he stepped it he didn't have a great performance against Auburn. Stepped it up a little bit in that Texas A&M game midweek, but it's still not the same Castleton we've seen take over basketball games for Florida. Um, Georgia, we thought they they'd have a little bit more of a curve to get to where they needed to be, but they're sitting at eleven and three right now. One to know in the SEC, I don't think they're going to finish as a, like a top four SEC team, but. It, it's they've quite, got a shot at the tournament. I'm about to say it's yeah. quite possible yeah. that they, if you get a couple wins here in that conference play, you like you said, you set yourself up for a, a, a possible uh, seating in the S, in the NCAA tournament.
1: And uh, you know, I think there uh, with uh, Florida and Georgia too. It just we, we talk about the math of what uh, Auburn needs to do to end up making an NCAA tournament and what they need in the SEC play again. You play 18 conference games. It used to be 16. You feel that nine and nine or better kind of gets you in no matter what, and uh, that usually is the case. Uh, And so for Georgia, that came into SEC play at 10 and three. If Georgia can go nine and nine in the conference, that would be a 19 and 12 record heading into the SEC tournament. That's at least bubble. You got to see what nine and nine those are, Uh, but you got to be thinking bubble or NCAA tournament if you're 19 12 from a conference uh, like the SEC. You got Ole Miss and Mississippi State. This is so important for Mississippi State. I I, I don't think Ole Miss is very good. Um, I think they're in the bottom three or four with, like I said, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and now maybe Florida. Um, so I'm not really caring about what Ole Miss does in this game, although I'll care a lot about what Ole Miss does next Tuesday in Oxford. Mississippi State, though, they started 11-0. and They've now lost three in a row, a non-conference game, which was a suspect loss. They got beat pretty good at home by Alabama, and then they got – just pantsed by, by uh, Tennessee earlier this week. Lost by 30 to the Vols. And I know Tennessee's good, but you can't start losing by 25, 30 points, to the team. That, that's the cutoff. You can lose by 10 or 12 occasionally. No no harm in that. You wake up the wrong side of the bat. You can't lose by 30. Uh, and so Mississippi State eleven and 3 hosting 8-6 and Ole Miss. And State's one of those teams, again, they need some positive momentum going into – uh, going throughout the SEC if they want to have any sort of NIT or NCAA aspirations. One more game that does not include a ranked opponent, 12-2 LSU, who is on the cusp of being ranked uh, at 9-5 and five, Texas A&M. That's an interesting one. A&M favored by 3.5. These lines are popping up, by the way, now. Uh, and I do want to say I don't know where I saw six for Arkansas. Yeah, the line I've got now for Auburn is Auburn favored oh. by a point and a half. You see, so I would
4: I, like I said earlier when we were talking to Steve, I would have favored Arkansas by five. Right,
1: I, I guess in my imaginary mind, I, I thought what well, I would have favored Arkansas by five or six. But with uh, Steve, if you're listening, you're listening after the fact. Auburn is favored by one and a half. All these lines have popped up as we've sp- as we've been speaking. I've had this tab open the last ten minutes, and they've all popped up. I guess that's how much I'm running my mouth as well. Uh, but LSU and A and M. Uh, A&M hopefully remembers their jerseys this time. That will give them a one-point advantage based off of their <laughs> last game. Uh, but a and and LSU, these are two teams to keep an eye on. Not high expectations in the league coming into this year, but two teams that so far, you know, at least turned a few heads. They're they're certainly in the running as teams to be respected.
4: LSU, like you said, LSU was on the verge of being ranked coming into this week. You lost to Kentucky. I don't think a Texas A&M win gets you quite there into the back into the rankings or into the rankings, sure. but it still keeps you probably in keeps that in, in that votes yeah. getting votes category. But it's a win you need to have because this Texas A&M team, as we said, not a not a top of the tier SEC a Texas A&M team. You've got to take advantage of a, a winnable game on the road because you did lose a game to Kentucky, a Kentucky team that you probably could have beaten. You should probably should have beaten the way that you look at that score uh, that played out up in Lexington, um, but. If you're LSU, you need to get this win. Keep yourself from sliding a little bit. Keep your or keep the the team's momentum from sliding a little bit. And uh yeah, AM 1-0 in the SEC, gutted out a good performance at, at Florida a couple weeks or nights ago. Um, if you're uh Buzz Williams, you've got to build on that win and say, hey, we beat Florida. I know Florida's seven and seven, but we still we beat Florida on the road. We're coming home, get LSU we got to win this basketball game. we got to build on that. I think LSU should probably win this game, but I wouldn't be shocked if a if they play the way they did against Florida and they come out, they could they could shock the, the Tigers a little bit. Two more
1: games here to tell you about, and these do involve ranked teams. There's no ranked versus ranked matchups in the SEC other than the Auburn and Arkansas game in Neville Arena. So, really, it could be considered the game of the week, although I'll tell you about one more involving another state of Alabama team in just a second. But first, Number eight, Tennessee, goes to South Carolina. So it is a home South Carolina game. Uh, this is how bad South Carolina is perceived, how good Tennessee is perceived. And the matchup predictor that ESPN has, that's, granted, kind of faulty. But just, just telling you the, the uh, vast nature of confidence here. Tennessee given a 96.4% chance to win this basketball game. That might have been high for me on a neutral site. It certainly is high for me for any road conference game, but that's how lowly South Carolina is thought of. And, of course, Tennessee going to be one of the teams to compete for the SEC title along with – Number seven, Alabama. This is the other game of the weekend candidate in the SEC. Go figure. Involves the two state of Alabama teams in basketball. But uh, both programs obviously have been on the way up for a few years now. Number seven, Alabama hosts Kentucky in Coleman Coliseum. Tuscaloosa noon tip off there. Kentucky not ranked at this point in the season, which is rare for them. The John Calabari marriage with Kentucky – uh, in a disagreement right now shall we say a little bit rocky terms there uh, so Alabama I, I do not have a line on this one right now I assume Bama will be favored by at least a few although Kentucky always moves the money line a lot and moves the line but uh, a pretty significant one here early in the SEC uh, a game on Alabama's home court though
4: honestly one one thing that I before getting to the actual game the one thing that I I've, I've noticed and this is not I'm this is not a uh, a a bash against um Alabama fans, but Auburn, Arkansas tickets is forty two dollars right now that I'm looking at. Kentucky going to Alabama, Alabama's top ten team, thirty dollars to get in price for that game. Thirty dollars. And it's like and I don't not a not a bash to Alabama fans, but like Kentucky versus Alabama is a thirty dollar or thirty dollar ticket. And that's you know that's usually a sure. we're gonna line up outside the door to get that. Uh, but this game, I think if you're Alabama, you've got to make a statement here. Even though Kentucky is down, you've got to come into this game. It's still Kentucky. It is still a blue blood brand name. It's like if you were playing a Duke or a North Carolina or a Kansas coming into your house, you've got to make a statement. If you want to prove yourself to everybody in the college, and I know you've, you've made a couple statements in the non-conference, they but in your have, conference, yeah. everything always seems to run through Lexington when it goes to um, the SEC title. You've got to make a statement against Kentucky. Kentucky, if you're on the other side of that, Kentucky, you just beat LSU at home. You've got some momentum. You want to get your your season back on track? What better way to beat a top-10 Alabama team on the road?
1: Right, and against the, the highest-ranked team in the yeah. SEC and Alabama. And, uh, again, that one at noon in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> we got to take our final break of the show today. When we come back, mm-hmm. we'll have final thoughts on Auburn and Arkansas, and we'll have the nightly TV guide Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. You're listening to the Friday edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call.
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn.
1: Final couple minutes of the show for this evening and for the full week. One week in the books of 2023. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childers, with you here. Last couple minutes of this Friday edition. Again, as promised real quickly, let's finish off our discussion on Auburn and Arkansas. Again, a tip 730 inside of Neville Arena tomorrow night. The number 13 Razorbacks fresh off a win against the top 25 opponent in Missouri earlier this week. Auburn losing in Athens to Georgia, so Brooks, real quickly here in just 30 seconds or so, what do you expect to see tomorrow night in Neville Arena?
4: Um, tomorrow night in Neville Arena, I expect to see a good basketball game. Um, I think that Fair enough. We, we've talked about this all day. I, I, can, you know, I can just repeat what I've said. Um, Auburn's got to improve. Even if Auburn doesn't win the basketball game tomorrow night, they've got to show improvement from what they did at Georgia. And really, what they did against Florida – because you're, there were spurts of that Florida game where you were, you're shaking your head and you're watching that game. You're like, what is going on? You know, it, it, you've got to show improvement. I don't know how much you can improve in two days um, to this game, but we've said it, I've said it several times yesterday, today. You get one shot at Arkansas this year. It is at home. The students come back next week. There's going to be students there because they're coming back early yeah. for this game. It's a top, 50, top 25 showdown between these two. Got to you, you. You've got to improve. At least show improvement on the basketball court before you go to a what? What you know? We both. I think we both agree is a must-win game next week at Ole Miss.
1: I think Arkansas is the better team, but I also think Auburn's home environment means a lot. You're right, Brooks. That there's going to be students that are back on campus uh starting off I, I think school starts back to start back wednesday of next week i think so uh so technically they don't have to be back but i think they're coming back for this weekend i think it's be a great a- atmosphere this is m- potentially for, for at least the short term my last kind of push of faith in this auburn men's team for now i'm going to take them to win against arkansas and a nail biter i'm going to say they have a couple electric highlight plays and I think it's important to remember here, too, Auburn does not shoot the three well. They are the home team. Arkansas does not shoot it well either. They're only a 29.9% team from three. If either team can make 35 40% of their threes tomorrow, that's going to be well above their average and is going to help them win in a big way. All right, just a minute or so left in the show. Time for the Nightly TV Guide.
0: Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV
4: Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got tonight? Yeah, let's see for your movie picks this evening. If you're not into some sports tonight, there's a mixture of sports. so You may not want to watch all of it or any of it. 6.30 at TNT. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Doctor Strange is on. There's your Marvel pick for the evening. Great movie. Benedict Cumberbatch. Great actor. Uh, then at 7.30 BBC America, if you want a sports movie, but you don't want to watch sports, Field of Dreams is on tonight. 7.30 BBC America, classic Kevin Costner. I just Absolutely. love, anytime it comes on, if I'm flipping through, I'll sit on the channel. I'll, I'll flip, If I'm flipping through, find it on the TV, I'll sit there I'll I'll watch the rest of it. Sports for you this evening. Starting off in the men's college basketball world, 6 o'clock ESPN2, Detroit Mercy takes on Wright State throwing matchup. and I'd Well, Antoine and
1: Davis, second leading scorer of the nation, son of Mike Davis for Detroit Mercy. Now, look Fun at thing.
4: that. 8 uh, o'clock, ESPNU, Stanford visits Cal, some little Pac-12 action for you, that's the men's college basketball action, women's college basketball action tonight, 6 o'clock ESPNU, Columbia visits Princeton, that's the only women's college basketball action for you, NBA action tonight, Bulls visit the Sixers at 6.45 on ESPN, followed by the Heat visiting the Suns at 9.05, and then... Finally, Women's College Gymnastics get started this weekend. Start off with a big one tonight, 8 o'clock ESPN2. LSU visits Utah. So, good uh, gymnastics meet tonight over on ESPN2. And that is a look at United TV. I brought to you by our friends at White Claw Heart Seltzer.
1: <laughs> thank you very much, Brooks. And, of course, the Auburn gym team will have their first test, first meet of the year this weekend in Las Vegas. Brooks, thank you for being here today, sir. Yes, sir. And, again, we thank Cam for being here as well. And we thank all of you, the listeners and callers, for another great week of Sports Call. One week in the books. Many more to go. Uh, enjoyed it this week. Again, thank you all for tuning in and calling in this week for Brooks Childress. My name is Ryan Lavoy. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday.